At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. All right, so check this out. This happened in South Carolina. I saw the last post in this subreddit was about this happening to another woman, so it seemed like a good time to tell somebody. This was one of the worst experiences of my life, and I hadn't thought about it for a long time. Someone said I should write a book of all the horrible things that have happened in my life because it should be more than one person can handle. Anyways... I was dating a guy for a couple of weeks and we went to one of his friend's house in the middle of nowhere. It was a run-down, older, mobile home, but hey, who am I to judge? We went in and there were four other guys. I thought it was odd that I was the only girl, but I just shrugged it off. They wanted to play a drinking game and back then, I was a little wild, so I said yeah. After about an hour... Things got a little weird. I could see them looking at each other like there was some kind of inside joke. I decided to get up and go to the bathroom, and when I came out, someone pushed me into a bedroom and locked the door. It was completely dark. I banged on the door, telling them that this was not funny. The door opened, and they all came in and shut the door behind them. I could feel them grabbing at me, and laughing. I was fighting back and swinging, but they were too strong. The door opened up again, and they all left. I could hear them outside in the hall, and it didn't sound good. They were discussing the order that they would, well, take turns with me. The door opens, and my mind is going a mile a minute now on how I'm going to survive this. A guy with a red shirt comes in, He sits down on the bed and he says he's going to get me out of there. He says they went too far and he didn't know that they were going to hurt me. He said he thought it was just a joke. There was a back door across from the bedroom and he told me to take it and to run through the woods as fast as I could until I got to the road and then he would come and find me. And I did. I ran as fast as I could and I heard them yelling for me to come back. I could hear them coming after me. I got to the road and I hid behind a tree. It seemed like an hour until I see a car pull up with him in it and he's all bloody. They had beat the crap out of him for letting me go. He had my purse and he ended up taking me home. I didn't know if I should trust him or not, but I had no other choice. I was in the middle of the woods. I also heard a couple of months after this that red shirt guy was arrested for killing his then-girlfriend, and the guy who took me there in the first place was arrested for assault of another woman. Maybe if I had went to the police, those things might not have happened. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. 
even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. My friends and I have a podcast where we tell scary stories. And this is one that is infamous in my family and that I grew up hearing and telling. Back in the 80s, my Aunt Kay was in her early 20s. This was before she married my uncle, and when she would drive long distances back and forth between her parents and my uncles to visit. It was a very transitional period for them. He had just graduated, and she hadn't moved out yet to be with him. It was a long drive, across several states, through the desert, which took her hours. This desolate highway would have stretches of roads that lasted hundreds of miles, where you quite often wouldn't see another driver, let alone a gas station. So Aunt Kay sets out and began one of these journeys. A couple hours into the drive, she noticed a dark vehicle slowly catching up to her. She barely noticed as she continued to sing along to Les Miserables until the vehicle got aggressively close. She turned off the music and looked into her rearview mirror, seeing the vehicle flash its lights and hand pointing at their car and motioning to pull over. Alarmed, she quickly slowed down and began to look for a place to pull off the road to see what must be wrong with her car. The second she pulled off the road, she felt and heard clear as day, don't pull over. Then again, stronger this time, don't pull over. Call it God, intuition, or just a gut feeling. But a jolt of adrenaline and fear shot through her body as she hit the gas and peeled back out onto the highway. Heart pumping, she silently asked herself, what the hell was that? she saw the vehicle peel out behind her. The dark vehicle continued to follow closely, flash their brights, and motion again for her to pull over. Fear and confusion set in as Aunt Kay began to question what was really going on. Why was this driver motioning for her to pull over? Was there really something wrong with her car? And what the hell was that warning she felt? It would have been a severe situation if her car broke down out there, especially before cell phones, but she pressed on. Just as her resolve wavered, she started questioning if she truly did feel what she felt, and started slowly backing down when the dark vehicle picked up speed once more. It entered the oncoming traffic lane and came level to my aunt's car. The driver smiled, pointed, motioned, and mouthed the words, pull over, to my aunt. She said the second she looked into his eyes, she felt pure evil. She felt a horribly sick feeling in the pit of her stomach and again heard the words in her head, don't pull over. She described him as looking scary, greasy, and noticed he was missing a couple of teeth in a smile. And that smile she said she'd never forget. That sent chills through her. This quickly dispelled any thoughts she had of actually pulling over. She put the pedal to the metal to try to lose him. He chased after her though. She slowed down, he slowed down. She sped up, he sped up. It got to the point that he began to try to push her off the road. Aunt Kay was to the point of tears as this creep continued to terrorize her, all alone, out in the middle of nowhere. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, Aunt Kay sees a couple of semis off in the distance. She felt as if she could only get closer or even get in between those trucks. She would be safe, so she took off. He continued to flash his lights, honk his horn, and try to hit her car until she got close enough to the trucks itself. As she got in between them, she saw the vehicle slow way down and eventually disappear from view. 
So she stayed with the trucks for a couple hours until she felt safe enough to pull over at a gas station and broke down and started crying. Fast forward several years. My aunt and uncle are now married. He's working at a law firm as a high-profile criminal prosecutor in Las Vegas. She's now a full-time mom of several young children. Since I've known my aunt, she's been obsessed with true crime. Dateline, 2020, and Unsolved Mysteries were always playing at their house. This day was no different. She was folding laundry in the kitchen while listening to the TV in the other room. The interviewer was talking about a man who was being interviewed on death row. As she paired another match of socks, she heard the man describe one of his tactics for procuring victims. According to him, he would wait along the side of the highway. A car would go by with the family, and he'd wait. Another car with the mail driver would go by. He'd wait. But ever so often, a car would go by with the pretty woman driving alone. So I'd pull out behind and follow him. I'd flash my lights, honk my horn, and motion for them to pull over. Aunt Kay, who was paralyzed, continued to listen. When they would eventually pull over, I'd tell them to pop the hood, and I'd be able to tell them what was wrong with their car. They would. I'd yank a couple of wires, then the car wouldn't start. I'd tell him, no problem, my buddy has a shop in the next town. I can give you a ride and he'll give you a fair deal. My aunt slowly moved to the living room. They'd get in and I'd rape them and then kill them, bury them anywhere in the desert. When asked how many times he did this, he responded, you'll never find any of those bodies. I can't even count. And how many got away? Two? Three? My aunt stood alone, staring into the toothless grin she saw on that highway that day. It was Henry Lee Lucas. Thanks, Charlie. TLDR, my aunt narrowly avoided being killed by a famous serial killer. A few years ago, I was working and nursing in the community and myself and my colleague attended a patient's house on the night shift at about 11.30 p.m. We entered the house using a key that we had been given by the patient as she wasn't good on her feet, so therefore unable to get to the door and was a risk of falling if she tried. The house was in darkness as we walked into the hallway and we couldn't locate the light switch in the dark, so we just headed to the strip of light coming from under what we assumed was the living room door and attended to the patient. All the while we were in the living room with the patient, we heard this constant rhythmic banging noise. We knew it was coming from the house somewhere, or at least right outside the house, but we couldn't see anything, so we just ignored it and carried on with our job. Once the patient was safe in bed, she had a bed downstairs, like the living room had been made into a little bedroom for her. We turned her big light out, leaving her side light on. My colleague then turned the torch on her phone on because we couldn't find the light switch for the hallway on the way out. And as we walked into the hallway, we could still hear that banging noise. This was an old Victorian era home, so the noise sort of echoed throughout the hallway. My colleague scanned her torch over the hallway as we walked back towards the front door and there, crouched on the floor by the staircase, was the patient's son. We hadn't met him previously, but we had been told that he did live with the patient. 
and he was smashing tiles with a hammer. He was in his 40s, maybe older, hunched over and banging away on the tiles of the hallway, seemingly unaware of our presence. He turned and looked at us and slowly broke out in a large, toothy smile, which made us both yelp. We both made this, oh, sound, because we didn't know he was there. We then heard our patient say, don't worry, loves, that's just my son. When we got back to our office, we made a log of the incident and reported the strange behavior to senior staff members just to ensure that we did what we could for the patient. During our next shift, we were informed that another nurse had attended a visit in the following day and spoke with the patient regarding the night before, and the patient stated her son cared well for her and just had some strange hobbies. The patient, shortly after, went into 24-hour nursing care as she couldn't manage at home anymore, and she was discharged from our books, so we didn't get informed of anything else regarding her or her son. He didn't harm us or the patient in any way, but nevertheless, it was still creepy. I think it was made creepier because he was there when we came in. We heard the banging, but since we didn't see him, we had walked right by him while he was just sitting there, smashing those tiles. And it was night. I always find things seem way creepier than they might actually be when it's nighttime. Never a dull moment in nursing, let me tell you. Okay, so this happened to me when I was around 18 and 19. I'm a female, and I was in a college small town in the south. I had a terrible college experience in general, but this just added to the shit show that was my first year. To set the scene, I lived in a suite building with a parking garage attached to it. There were probably four or five levels to the garage. The top level of this parking garage was ground level. The suite building was maybe a five minute walk down a sidewalk to the entrance of the suites. There was a little room with windows that housed the elevator close to the sidewalk. My boyfriend at the time lived off campus and I hated being on campus so much that I spent a lot of time at his house in a neighboring town. I had an 8am class so I would usually go back to my suite at some point in the night early morning. One night, I got back around 2am, the parking garage was pretty full and I had to park at the furthest end from the building closer to the ramp, then went to the lower level. I am terrified of being inside the parking garage, so I always parked on top. It was pretty dark, and I usually would call my sister or my boyfriend if I was ever spooked. But this night felt normal, and I didn't feel the need to bother anyone so late. I was almost to the sidewalk when I noticed someone in the little room where the elevator was. They had been behind a wall, but I saw them emerge. He had not just come out of the elevator, as I would have seen the doors open through the windows. I didn't get a great look at the person, but I could tell that it was a middle-aged man, and I found it odd that he was on campus so late, as all the people living in the building were young and mainly freshmen. I tried my best to just ignore the person and continue on my way, but as I reached the sidewalk, he came out and started walking behind me. I tried to be rational and not freak out, but the further I walked, the more I realized he was getting closer and closer to me. There was one of those posts where you could hit a button for campus police. 
but something inside of me told me that I had to not let him know that I knew he was there and that he was scaring me. In a few seconds time, I had to make a decision. He started sprinting down the sidewalk. I immediately heard him pick up his speed and start running as well. He was chasing me. There were three entrances to the building and I usually use the furthest one because my room was on the far side of the building. But as soon as I got to the first entrance, I quickly swiped my card, entered and slammed the door shut behind me. He was right there on the other side of the door. He made eye contact for just a second or two, then ran the other way and away from view. I was so fucking scared. To this day, I wonder what his intentions truly were. It's probably best that I didn't find out. The next morning I woke up to an email about a strange man that had been spotted on campus. It all still gives me the creeps when I think about it today. This past summer, I was running along the lakefront where I live early one morning. It's probably relevant that I mention I'm a young, adult female and I was wearing a cropped t-shirt and some running shorts. The lakefront is usually super crowded, however, I was out pretty early so there weren't many people around. I was sitting down post-run pondering life's complexities, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I had my headphones in and truthfully was not paying attention to my surroundings. All of a sudden, I was jolted from my thoughts by a man standing in front of me. He was definitely too close, much closer than any normal person would be when approaching a stranger for any reason. It literally felt like he came out of nowhere, which is what I get for not paying attention. I see he's beginning to say something, so I pause my music, and I'm like, Yeah? I was already annoyed at this point because I seem to be a magnet for creeps. He introduced himself, and he told me that I was pretty. The conversation went as follows. I said, Okay. He says, Aren't you going to introduce yourself? I told him no. He says, why not? You don't even want to get to know me? Again, I tell him no. Now, I do have a boyfriend, but regardless, the answer would still have been no. So he says, okay, well then bye, witch. Only he didn't say witch. And I almost laughed out loud because, of course, I'm a witch simply because I didn't want to talk to him. He then ran away, which I noted was very strange because he wasn't wearing any running clothes or running shoes. I wish I could say that that was my only mildly creepy lakefront story, but of course it's not. The next one isn't much of a story, but it's almost worse. It was midday and I was running, again in a t-shirt and running shorts, and I noticed a man either filming me run or taking pictures very overtly. I just stopped in my tracks and I stared. He had to have known that I noticed him, yet he didn't stop. I was debating confronting him, frozen for quite a while. Then I got too scared and just turned around and I walked home. I felt violated. Honestly, it's so ridiculous that I basically forgot both of these stories because so many women, and I don't think solely women, but you get it. 
we have to deal with these types of situations on a regular basis that we've just become accustomed to it. Like we're forced to just always expect these types of situations and it just blows my mind when I take a step back and think about how upsetting it is to feel as though I always have to be on guard when in public alone. Makes me shake my head. People, mostly people I barely know but have told my name to before, like patients at my job, for example, always call me by the same wrong first name. Every single time someone gets my name wrong accidentally, like we've all called someone by the wrong name before, right? The name they call me is always Jennifer. Now, I think everyone's first instinct here would be that it's just confirmation bias and that I only pay attention to it when the name that they call me is Jennifer and that I disregard the times they've called me something else. But I took this into account about eight or maybe ten years ago and I started paying strict attention. I've never been called a wrong name that isn't Jennifer in this time frame. To get some logical reasoning out of the way, my real name does not sound like Jennifer, nor does it start with a J or any other letter that can make the J sound in English. This has happened in multiple states, so that rules out that maybe there's just a girl who lives locally to me that's named Jennifer, and we just happen to look really alike. Strangers that I don't know at all come up to me on the street, mistaking me for a different person. It's always people who have told my real name to at some point. Hell, even people who have known me for a short while but long enough to know better have called me Jennifer. The freaking priest that married my ex and I, who we had known for a year and a half at that point, called me Jennifer when we got up to rehearsing the vow portion of the wedding ceremony on our rehearsal night, even though our names were written down in front of him. I freaked that he might do the same thing during the actual ceremony the next day, but Thank goodness he didn't. He called my ex by his correct name. I don't believe that I look like any celebrity that I know of named Jennifer, and I've never been told that I look like a celebrity at all. I don't hang out with or work with anyone named Jennifer. Nobody I'm related to has that name either. I've just been called Jennifer by people of different genders, different races, different nationalities, different first languages spoken, and from different countries. My real name is a common one, so not hard to remember. The only thing that I'm left to deduce is that it's just a huge coincidence that spanned at least a decade. So, YouTube, what do you make of this? Hello everyone, please let me know if this has happened to anyone else ever because I have heard nothing like this and I'm still confused by it to this day. This happened when my child was 5 years old, they're about to be 13 now. I was laying in bed one morning, playing on my phone, just waiting for them to wake up. About an hour into mindless scrolling, and yes, I was wide awake, I heard them begin humming a cute little tune skip to the refrigerator, open it, and pull out a lunch meat to snack on. They were stoked because I got the good stuff from the deli. So it was in the plastic bags and made a distinct sound when you opened it. 
They then shut the fridge, happily skipped back to the living room while humming, turned on the TV, and began playing an episode of some cartoon. I heard the dialogue in the beginning of the episode for about 30 to 45 seconds before the sound just kind of faded out. It was silent again, so I said, oh, they probably turned the TV down a little because it was so loud. I better get out of bed and stop being lazy. I can't leave them alone. So I get up, I go into the living room, I turn the corner, and I say, hi, Zoe, except the TV was off and they were nowhere to be found. I walked into their bedroom and they were dead asleep. I walked in, I sat on their bed and I asked, did you just go back to sleep? They were very confused and a little annoyed that I had just woken them up. They had no clue what I was talking about. So I just let it go. I told them, well, you can get up and watch cartoons now if you want to. They got really excited and said, Okay, mommy. I had to pee, so I went into the bathroom and I shut the door. And that's when it happened. I heard them happily humming, skipping to the fridge. I heard them open it, grab the deli meat, shut the door, and skipped back happily humming the exact same tune and turned on the TV to that exact episode and sat there munching on salami for breakfast. <laughs> Has anyone else had this happen? I've never had it happen since. So, a few weeks ago, I was at work. I work as a videographer for a local TV station. I was at the back side of my work building, loading gear into my car. For some context, the station sits right next to a very busy highway. The only other building next to it is a large office building that's been sitting empty for a while, presumably because of Kavad. Otherwise, it's just the highway and the trees. It was pouring rain, and I was standing at the trunk of my car, quickly getting my gear in before it got too wet. As I was doing this, I heard what sounded like a woman talking over a loudspeaker behind me. I turned around in confusion because I thought I was the only one out there. At first, I thought it was a loud radio coming from someone on the highway, but the voice never faded away. It stayed the same volume, which was quite loud. I couldn't understand what the woman was saying. The voice was clear, but the words were garbled, like I couldn't make sense of them. After about a minute, I noticed another co-worker driving into the lot, and I waited for them to get out of their car and start walking towards the door. I'm hoping to see if they notice the voice, but they didn't react to it. They walked into the building as if nothing was going on, and they even waved hello to me. There was no way they couldn't have heard it. That's how loud this voice was. My final theory was that maybe the office building next door finally had people in it again, and the voice was coming from there. I closed the trunk, hopped in my car, and rolled down the window just a bit so I could continue to listen to the voice. I drove over to the border between our parking lot and theirs, but when I looked over, there wasn't anybody there. The building was still empty. At this point, I was spooked. I also had a story to get to, so I ended up just closing the window and leaving. 
but in hindsight, I haven't been able to figure out where this disembodied voice had come from. It wasn't the station, because we don't have loudspeakers on the outside of the building, and it wasn't coming from somewhere nearby, at least that I could find. The part that confuses me the most is my coworker. Why didn't they hear it? Or if they did, why didn't they react? I've been working at this station for over four years, and I've never experienced anything like this, so I'm sure it's not a normal occurrence. Has anyone else experienced anything like this? I've never told this story to anyone, but I've kept it in my mind since it happened in 1998. I just want to preface by saying I've never held a belief in ghosts, afterlife, or anything of the sort, either past or present. Even this event is not enough to make me believe that ghosts are real. However, I don't have any material explanation for what happened. It was mid-August, 1998. I was 22 years old and working a summer job at a gas station before heading back to school. I had started college late as I fumbled about for a year or two after high school. Anyways, on a nice, warm summer night, cars would come and go. As we had a full-service pump, I'd walk out of my little storefront for every car and pump their gas. The weather was perfect. Not too hot when normally it would be blistering hot that time of year. Around the side of the building were the entrances to the bathrooms. I headed that way to use the restroom when I saw two hippie-looking teens with a dog, a boy and a girl. I grew up listening to bands like The Grateful Dead and Fish, and I still do. And while I don't present as a hippie, I feel very comfortable in those circles. I could tell these kids had probably been hitchhiking. They didn't look destitute, but they were dirty and probably a bit hungry. Even though I was probably no more than five years older than them, I felt bad and I wanted to help. I put a few bucks in the vending machine and bought them some snacks and some drinks and gave the dog a bowl of water. They were very thankful and the dog was very friendly too. We chatted for a minute, then the boy said, the dog's not ours, he was just hanging out here. He was friendly, so we started playing with him and petting him. That was strange, of course, but not too crazy, right? Dogs get lost all the time. He was friendly and didn't look mistreated, so I just assumed he had gotten lost. Oh, and he had a collar with a tag. Cool. I can find his owner. Oh, and his name. Sam. Important to note that he would respond to me calling his name Sam. A car pulled up to the full-service pump, so I ran out and did my thing. Last I looked, the hippies and Sam were still hanging out at this time, sort of off to the side of the store near where I first saw them. I finished up with the car and turned around to head back to the storefront. No hippies anywhere in sight. Nowhere. Just gone. Perhaps they hitched a ride while I was turned around, but it was only a minute. When I walked out to the street, I could see quite a ways in both directions, and they were nowhere to be seen. This is the last that I saw of the two hippie kids, and I hope they're okay. But Sam was still there, and it was getting late. I wanted to help, 
I decided to call the non-emergency police line who gave me the phone number to the animal shelter. I called over there, and the way that it was handled seemed very odd at the time and still does, but I wanted to help, so I just went along with it. Same was a good boy, after all. The person that I spoke with at Animal Control looked up Sam's info based on the dog tag number. This person, instead of saying, Hold on, we'll send out an officer, or that they would call the owner for me, instead gave me Sam's owner's phone number and told me to call them. So I called the number, and an older man politely answered the phone. I explained that I had Sam. I gave him water, and he's just hanging out with me here, but the gas station is closing soon, so it would be best for you to come pick him up. He seemed perplexed, and asked me to describe Sam to him. I did. I said Sam looked like a mutt lab mix, darkish brown coat, medium to large sized dog, very friendly disposition. Just a regular old good boy. What the man said next has been rattling around my brain for the last 24 hours. The man said, we had a dog named Sam, but he passed away a good 10 years ago. I was dumbfounded, and all I could do was describe Sam again, to which the man said, yeah, that sounds like our Sam, but there's no way that it could be. It just can't be. He was polite, and we talked back and forth a bit more, but with no resolution, we hung up. I was unsure about what to do next, but I quickly realized that there was nothing for me to do. Just like the hippie kids, Sam too was now nowhere to be seen. He just vanished. This is my first post, so sorry if it's lame, but it made me uncomfortable. I had a ton of trouble falling asleep last night. I tossed and turned all night, and the last thing that I saw was three hours and 45 minutes until your alarm goes off on my phone. My alarm went off, and I decided in that moment that I was going to call off work for the day. I texted in, and my foreman sent me an okay reply with a thumbs-up emoji. It was no issue to either of us since the union we both work for demands that kind of situation. So I slept until 7.45 a.m. and crawled into bed with my youngest son, who's barely one, to catch another 15 minutes or so of sleep. We both woke up around 8 a.m. I fed him oatmeal and a bottle of milk, and I had some Vitality Vanilla Almond cereal. We then relaxed while I watched TikTok and he watched Cocomelon until I decided to head to town to handle a few errands that I wanted to take care of. This is where it gets weird. I needed an oil change, an air filter, and a workout. I decided to run to AutoZone first, then the gym second, and after, if I had time, super lube for an oil change. I walked into AutoZone and told the worker I needed an air filter for my 2010 Toyota Camry. The employee backed up and started laughing. He asked, didn't you just leave? I said, no, and that this was just me starting my day. He then told me I was the third guy that looked just like me that came in this morning owning a 2010 Camry and looking for supplies. The first wanted windshield wipers, the second wanted an oil filter, and here I was, needing an air filter. He then told me all about the other guys. 
and they sounded just like me. Here's the very weird part to me. I live in a town of less than 10,000 people. It's a Wednesday morning, and my car is 12 years old. I've grown up here. I live three houses down from where I grew up. I know at least 80% of the people that live here, and I know their families. I don't know of more than two other 2010 Camrys in town. I don't know of one other person that looks like me, especially today when I'm wearing an ill-fitting gym outfit. I was wearing shorts that were too short and a shirt that was dirty and worn out that I've owned for years. The fact that he was weirded out weirded me out. I joked around with him, saying, All right, see you in an hour. But he didn't laugh or acknowledge my joke at all. I paid, and I left. Also, I haven't been to AutoZone in over a year, and I've never seen this guy in my life. About two blocks to the left of my mother-in-law's house, there's a daycare, or at least there was, until yesterday. A year ago, we lived right across the street from her, and I remember seeing little kids walking home from the school with their moms and their backpacks on. I vividly remember the sign out front which had a rainbow and a sun on it. When I was driving to her house from a different way than I'd usually come, I used the daycare as a landmark to know that my turn was coming up, since I've missed the turn in the past. I've even turned down the road right after the daycare by mistake a couple of times in the beginning. The point is, I know this daycare was there, and it's not something that I would just forget or mistake its location. My husband and I were discussing daycare options for our son yesterday when I said, what about the one right down the road from your parents? He had no idea what I was talking about. And I didn't understand why, because he and his family had lived there for many years. He brought it up to his parents when we picked up our son, and they had no idea what I was talking about either. His mom walks everywhere, so I thought for sure that she would know what I was talking about, but she didn't. We drove up and down the road twice so I could show him the school that I was talking about, but it was gone. The whole building was replaced by others as if it never existed. The little parking lot, the rainbow sign, the little one-story building was gone and replaced by nameless buildings that I don't recall being there. My husband thinks that I'm just misremembering it or mistaking its location, but I know I'm not, and I can't find any evidence of this daycare on Google. About two months ago is the last time that I remember seeing the school because I had to use it as my reminder to turn. So, as you can guess, I'm having a really hard time trying to figure this out. I'm even starting to question my sanity a bit. Why am I the only one that remembers this school? It just doesn't make any sense and I can't think of any rational reason for this because I know this is not something I'm just misremembering as my husband likes to put it. Any theories? TLDR, an entire building has just vanished from existence and I'm the only one that remembers it. I'm a 22 year old person working in the medical field. I'm a floater medical technician at the moment which means I get a schedule every week going to different assisted living facilities, 
skilled nursing facilities, independent living facilities, all the living facilities that usually hold a majority of elderly people and help with vaccinations and general patient care involving meds all around my state. Sometimes I'm only 30 minutes from home, but I've driven three hours before. At most times, they drag on long into the night. Being that I'm not really that picky and I know how to handle myself and money is money, I usually don't mind the drive. My parents would drive four hours to a location just for a day trip, and that same day, they would drive back. Nothing too crazy, though. But it can get a little tiring after working six days in a row. Now that you know where I work, I guess I'll tell you about where I live. No names, though. But I'm basically in the foothills, or in the mountains. Lots of back roads, lots of trees, and I know typical of scary stories, the middle of nowhere with spooky trees, right? But once again, I don't think much of it. I've lived around forests all my life. I see them as more peaceful rather than scary. So I finished this particular clinic at around 6 p.m. And as you know, if you live up north in the winter, it's dark by then. But again, I'm thinking nothing of it. But even so, I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I'm already ready to go to bed. My team calls it a day, and I set up to take my hour and 45-minute drive home. The first 30 minutes, I'm in town, then on a highway, so pretty nice, smooth sailing, listening to lo-fi music as per usual, using it as my decompress and meditative time. I keep driving, then I notice a huge crash up ahead, like a four or five car pileup, real nasty on this busy highway. So I take an exit off the highway, I'm going to drive around it so I can get home and into my bed quicker, rather than sit and wait for them to clear a path from one of the lanes. Anyway, I start driving through this town that honestly looks like maybe three freaking people live in it. All the buildings are run down. The road is so messed up, it's awful. My car's poor tires and hydraulic system were begging for me to stop, so I had to slow down a lot as to not stress my car. It's dark and really cold, but again, places like this exist, a town on its last breath. I've seen them more than a few times from living up and down the East Coast in less than shitty neighborhoods. I'm not going to judge, but I will note this place is just really, really empty. No cars, no lights, boarded up houses, just empty. I'm driving between 15 and 20 miles an hour, my brights on so I can see. It's a clear night, so I have that going for me. As I'm driving past this big fire department overrun with bare trees, a loud thunk comes from the roof of my car. Great. I quickly pull over into the parking lot of the abandoned fire department. Wonderful, I'm thinking. Get sideswiped by a random dude at a rest stop and dent the top of my poor orange berry in one week. I open the door in a panic, expecting to see some tree branch denting my roof, but nope, nothing. Which is weird enough as is, so I'm like, what the hell? I knew something hit my roof, so I go check behind my car, 
Maybe it rolled off. Maybe it was a bird or a bat that fell and then flew away. There are a lot of trees around here. I walk all around my car, look into the messed up road. Nothing. I chalk it up to the winged animal idea and I climb back in my car, a little rattled. So it's silent as I get resituated. That's when I heard this ear-piercing shriek. I'm talking, someone is screaming so loud, it sounds like their vocal cords could break. I lock my door and start getting back on the road. Calm down, I'm thinking. Bobcats are everywhere. You've heard what they sound like plenty. Like a woman crying bloody murder. It's just a bobcat. It's just a bobcat. My hands are shaking, and I'm trying to drive out of there as fast as I can. Just a bobcat. Some kids playing a prank. Some homeless tweaker. My car was rattling back and forth as I got up to a comfortable 35 miles an hour. Of course, that's me pushing it for my abused car. I'd make it up to him later with a nice wash. I drive another mile through this town, and I'm a few miles from the exit to the highway again, I'm mentally kicking myself for being so scared. Like a little pansy, I'm freaking out over some animals. <laughs> I'm a mile away now, thanks to the helpful yet very beat up and weathered signs. I'm calming down. Nothing crazy. Maybe it would be a good idea to play my lo-fi music again, as I paused that 24-7 live stream one from YouTube when I got out of my car. Just as I reach for my phone in the passenger side seat, something rushes past my headlights. I scream, and I break hard. I don't know why. It was yards away from me, in the very distant part of my headlights. All right, that's the final straw. I'm crying at this point. I'm shaking so hard I can barely grip the wheel. My eyes are blurry with tears. I don't care about the music anymore, and even though I'm still reminding myself animals inhabit tree-dense abandoned towns all the time, the situation was still enough to get me crying. I keep driving, trying to focus on getting to that damn highway. But that's when I see it. If it's a human, then it's not like any human I've ever seen. On the side of the road, seeming to stand so politely on the sidewalk, as if waiting for me to pass so it could cross the street, was this tall thing. It had sunken facial features, and it looked naked. Loose skin, a lot of it, sagging down its legs and arms, piling at the wrists and ankles and knees, around its neck and hanging from its jaw. I saw it for half a second before I slammed my foot down on the gas. Sorry, Orangeberry. Like I said, I'd make it up to you. I'm screaming obscenities now. F this, F that. What the F, what the F. You get the idea. My onslaught of emotions being too much. Goosebumps covered me from head to toe. Tears rolling down my face. Hands gripping the steering wheel so tight now... There's nail marks in it. I swerve onto the highway and recklessly into the other lane. I drive at 80 miles an hour for a little bit before eventually slowing down and pulling over to the side of the road to sob and to call my dad. He picks up instantly 
and when he hears my crying, he's all concerned, trying to get my story. I explain everything. I called it a man in some scary monster costume, and my dad instructed me to call the police, which I didn't really want to do. I was already a nervous wreck. Having to explain it, or even go back with someone, absolutely F that. But my dad insisted, so I called the cops. I tell them I saw a man in the town back there off the exit in a costume. He scared me really bad. And after a few more questions, the cops said they'd go check it out, and they sent me on my way. No, I can't be sure it wasn't a costume. And no, I can't be sure it wasn't some weird outfit and bad lighting at night. I'm not saying all of these events were connected in some way, but what I am saying is it all happened so quick. It was hard to dismiss as nothing. And if this was a costume, it had to be a damn good one because it was hyper-realistic and I saw every single fold and wrinkle and could even make out a couple of blue veins. I don't even remember the name of the town. I haven't gotten a call back from the police about any updates. If there was anyone found with a costume on, stalking the side of the road in a beat-up town at 7pm. This happened about a month ago, and I'm better now. As long as I'm in my car, I'm safe, but I no longer feel safe being outside of my car at night. Not even the short walk from my front door to my driveway is safe anymore. I'll start shaking and panting if I'm outside in the dark alone for more than five seconds. I don't know who to tell or what to believe, but at the very least, I hope you guys found this entertaining. Thank you for your time. Here are several odd encounters that I've had. Please tell me what you think they were and your thoughts on them. All of these occurrences happened near the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Here's the first one. As a child, I used to be really interested in the supernatural. I constantly read about werewolves and vampires, but not about other cryptids such as skinwalkers and wendigo until recently. I grew up on a farm surrounded by woods. The first encounter I had with something unsettling would be during a sleepover I had with two of my friends. After a riveting day of running through the woods and having fun, we settled down for bed. It was a full moon, and the light pierced through the blinds that I had in my room. My two friends, let's call them Bad Vibes and Swamp Dweller, were sleeping on the bottom bunk while I slept on the top. They had fallen asleep, but I seemed to not be able to sleep, so I decided to peek through the blinds. The full moon stared at me, and I looked away for a second, but when I looked back, there was a creature. The head was shaped similar to that of a horse with glowing red eyes and shaggy, thick, dark brown hair. It was right outside my window, eye level with me, and the window was about six feet off the ground. The bunk was also about six foot, so this creature must have been nine feet tall. I don't know what it was, but it certainly scared me, and badly. My second encounter goes as follows. My best friends, for 
anonymity reasons, let's just call them Danny Dreadful and Sir Creepington Pasta, and I were all having a sleepover together outside in a tent. In our tent, we had one light, a small battery-operated lantern. It was dark and quiet outside when, all of a sudden, a stick was hurled at our tent. My friend Danny felt that we were in danger, but didn't know from what. Danny had just moved from Arizona near the Navajo Reservation and had recently experienced a skinwalker herself. We had no way to defend ourselves, so we decided to attempt to grab something that could be used as a defense from our car near the tent. Danny decided to be the one to go and grab it. As she went towards the car, she screamed. She immediately sprinted back with fear in her eyes. We asked what happened, and she told us about a large figure with glowing red eyes resembling a wolf. We ended up leaving that tent for good later on. And this was my third encounter. As an avid trail runner, I'm used to the woods in which I run. I tend to run near dusk as the sun is setting, but I refuse to run when it's dark. I feel at home in the forest, and I've never feared it. Not until now. Only recently did I experience three odd phenomena. I began to feel like I was being watched while I ran. And yes, I know the forest is always watching, with all of its animals watching what I'm doing, but this feeling was different. It's more of a fear-inducing feeling. Then, about four days after this began, I saw these glowing orbs. Only a couple, but they led deeper and deeper into the woods. All of this led towards a place my father and I found when I was young, where a deer's ribcage was stuck in the hollow of a tree, almost as if it was put there purposefully. There's also a big mound of rocks near it. And these rocks were not just randomly placed, they formed a large rectangular-like shape, similar to a grave. I haven't seen the orb since then, but it was unsettling. By far, the most unsettling thing that has happened would be the amount of times I felt like something was following me or chasing me in the woods. I've even had a gut feeling something was trying to lure me deeper into the woods. Whenever I feel that something is so off and there's some malicious intent, I turn around and I go back. The feeling of dread has only gotten stronger and I'm wondering what might be causing it. I'm hoping someone, anyone, can help me figure out what's going on. So, this happened on August 28th, 2021, in BC, Canada. I'm not entirely sure if what I encountered was a skinwalker, but here it goes. This was all later at night, around 11.30pm. Me and my girlfriend were in the gravel lot in my SUV across from the high school where we were talking and she eventually fell asleep as we had been walking around all day and the fair was in town. About 15 minutes after she fell asleep, I started to get an eerie feeling like I was being watched and I had a feeling like we had overstayed our welcome. I didn't like it at all and I always trust my gut when I get feelings like this, so... I started to wake up my girlfriend. 
Just as she was opening her eyes, I heard what sounded like someone shouting, kind of like, ooh, or ah, further away downhill from within the meadow. I would have disregarded it, but it caught me off guard a bit since it almost sounded doubled, like the person had a chorus pedal or a pitch shifter on their voice. It spooked me a bit because of that, and I hadn't heard anyone yell like that before. I finished waking up my girlfriend, and we drove into an elementary school parking lot down the road from the hill leading to a new development. I told her what happened, and we joked about it being spooky and whatnot. I then looked up videos to try and find something that matched what I had heard, and skinwalker screams and vocalizations were what matched up the most. Unfortunately, I scrolled into the comments which mentioned that the further away the scream is, the closer the creature is to you. It spooked me for a moment, but I chalked it all up to coincidence. For fun, we decided to drive down the hill to the new development as it's dark and spooky. It has woods on one side where the park is and a gravel turnaround for vehicles with a gate at the end where the gravel path starts. As we were going down the hill near the top, I got a very strange and uneasy feeling, almost like a slight panic. But it went away shortly after we got to the bottom of the hill. My girlfriend said she got the same feeling as well, so we decided to turn around on a side street and leave. I decided to play some music, that always helps take the scared feelings away and I put the pedal to the metal on the accelerator whilst going up the hill to make me feel more comfortable and like nothing could touch me. When we were about three-fourths of the way up the hill, the feeling came back and it hit us in full force, and the closer we got to the top where the trail comes out of, the stronger the feeling got. The only way I can describe it is pure terror. It wasn't fear or dread. It was terror. We both had a physical reaction to it. We got intense chills and we could feel the goosebumps on our skin all over our bodies. We both started to get choked up and a little bit teary-eyed and I became short of breath for a minute too. I must have gone from 60 kilometers an hour up the hill to 80 after cresting the hill and it felt like if we stopped, we surely would have died. It was the most petrifying experience either of us have ever had. I've driven past many animals at night, from deer to bear to coyotes, and have been outside walking home alone at night with a bear going through garbage cans at my neighbor's houses. I've dirt biked past a mama bear with her cubs and a mama moose, and I thought those were scary experiences. No scary experience I've had from a car accident when I was young to almost being hit four times doing road construction from dumb drivers can even come close to the feeling that I had that night. The Doom soundtrack we chose to listen to turned from the feeling of being a badass into feeling like it would be the anthem of my death. It was truly the most terrifying experience of my life. After getting out of Dodge, we went to a well-lit mall parking lot and we calmed down for a bit, still shaken. I drove my girlfriend home, and we had a very anxiety and fear-ridden drive home. 
as the park across from my house connects only 150 meters away from where the encounter actually took place. When I got home, I made sure everything was locked up tight, had a little bit of weed to calm down, and then went to bed while on video call with my girlfriend. That night, around 3.30 a.m., I woke up and had a mild return of the panic feeling for about five minutes before finally falling back to sleep. I dreamt of the experience the entire night. The next morning, my girlfriend told me she heard tapping on my window at about 3.30 a.m., which made me shudder as my window is about nine feet off the ground. I don't know what to make of the experience and would appreciate some guidance into what this may have been. I've never liked walking in those woods alone, as I always get a creepy feeling, but I'm definitely not walking to my house alone at night ever again. My girlfriend and I plan on driving back out there again one night soon. Not sure if that's a stupid idea, but my curiosity about cryptids and the like has been piqued, and I need to know what's lurking around there. So, this happened to me in July of this year. Just to give context of where I was to discount any of the possible wildlife explanations, at the time, I lived in the Midwest in a suburban area, fairly populated near a very populated city. There was nowhere that could be considered rural within at least a 40-mile radius. So, anyways, to start my experience... It was late at night, and I was hanging out with my golden retriever, Leo, who was just turning a year old in a couple of weeks at the time. I was watching YouTube in my room while he laid on the floor next to me. It was about 12.30 a.m., and I was ready for bed, so I had to take him out before we both went to sleep, so I got him on his leash, and we went outside. My family and I lived in a large apartment complex, the apartments have quite a few rooms in their own personal garage, but still have 8 to 10 apartments per building, so the buildings are very long and slim. Behind our building is a long strip of grass that goes out about 15 feet. Then there's a large tree line that's 20 feet deep and about 200 feet long. Leo and I go out the front, around the building, into the back, as we don't have an exit to the back. We're on the second floor and we all have our own separate entrances. We make it to the back, to the grassy area, and I walk out into the grass with him to let him do his business. I'm on my phone, not paying attention really, and we stand there for a good minute. I realize it's been a good amount of time and I notice Leo hasn't moved one bit. I turn off my phone and I look to him and I realized he hasn't moved from the spot that we stopped at and he was just looking at the other building right by the woods. He had been frozen the whole time. I pet him, and he looked up at me, and when I stopped petting him, he looked straight back into the same spot. I hadn't at the time realized he was looking at that spot the whole time until then, and looked over to see where he was looking at. My eyes weren't adjusted to the darkness and could only see the shadow of a building, the only source of light was streetlights about 50 feet behind us. I looked back at him and quietly chuckled because I thought he just heard a squirrel and was all perked up. It was very cute, and then I looked back at my phone. Leo, in the corner of my eye, 
About 15 seconds later, flinched back as if he had been startled by something and started to whine. I looked over at the same spot this time, realizing now he was scared of something he saw while we had been out there. My eyes were now adjusted to the dark, and I saw what he was fixated on now. In the shadow of the building, right next to the corner of the wall in front of the tree line, about 15 feet away from me, was that creature. I could only see a black outline as it wasn't lit up enough, but it was massive. I know how tall the building was relative to me, and when it was standing right next to the building, it was about five feet tall. That wouldn't be very tall if it were standing upright, but this thing was on all fours. The best way I can describe how it looked is when a bulldog snarls and kind of flexes its front legs when trying to intimidate something, but it was scaled up to be five feet tall and had more muscle. There's no way that this was any creature in the Midwest. The only creature that is remotely close to that is a black bear, and that's way up north, nowhere near where I am in the southeastern part of my state. There were no wooded areas for a bear to live in anyways, as stated in the beginning. Plus, the max height of a black bear on all fours was about three feet and not very broad. This thing surpassed that by a long shot and was very broad. I jumped back in fear and was just frozen after that for a solid 30 seconds, just staring at it. I then backed away slowly, keeping my eye on it the whole time. Leo then began to growl and snarl at it as we rounded the corner. Leo has never acted aggressive like that ever before, so this just made me even more terrified. I then peeked around the corner no more than a second later, and it was gone. No noise. No shadow swiftly moving behind the building, just gone. There's no way something could have moved behind the building that fast without a sound, especially of that size. This freaked me out even more, and I sprinted back inside the house. I would really like to think that I was hallucinating this and that I was just tired, but it was clear as day, even during the night. <laughs> I've never told anyone this story before, and it freaks me out to this very day. This happened in 2003 or 2004, but it's something I've never been able to forget or explain. For context, I'm South African and crime is, unfortunately, a problem. Hijacking is common. This is when people force you out of your car to steal it. Sometimes they keep you in the car, which often results in death. It was my mom's birthday, and she and my dad went out for dinner without us kids. I was 17 and perfectly capable of looking after my sister and my brother, who were 14 and 10. Later that night, I heard our electric gate open and assumed my parents were home. No car came down the driveway, so I thought I must have just heard wrong. What I didn't know was that while my parents were waiting for the gate to open, three armed men stood next to the car, then shoved both my parents into the trunk of my dad's car and drove off with my dad's and a separate getaway car to find an ATM. Not satisfied with the cash, they headed back to our home to collect whatever valuables we had. The second time around, I heard the gate open again and also heard the car enter the driveway and then stop. Now, 
The driveway runs along the side of our home, and there's a window from our dining room that faces the driveway and the gate. Myself and my two siblings were watching TV in the living room right next to the dining room. I heard someone knock on the dining room window and thought maybe my mom or dad got out of the car and wanted me to come out and help them bring something inside. I went to the window and saw nothing at the window, but down the driveway was my dad's car and another car that I didn't recognize. I didn't see my dad, and my mom was sitting next to the stranger who was driving the car. She was looking down and looked petrified. She must have seen my movement from the window in that second and motioned for me to call. I immediately knew what was going on and told my siblings to make sure everything is locked and then I ran to call the police. Long story short, the hijackers saw me in the window and knew I had seen them and the electric gate started closing. They panicked and all three of them fled in the getaway car leaving my mom in the passenger seat of my dad's car with my dad still in the trunk. Later, after the police had taken our statements, my mom asked me why I went to that window because it was kind of random. I told her that I heard someone knock on the window and she was dumbfounded. She said there wasn't anything or anyone near that window to knock on it. I also know that from inside no one knocked on it either. My siblings say that they didn't even hear the knock at all. My grandmother died earlier that year, and our only thought is that maybe it was her. If not her, then who? That knock saved my family, because my mom said the hijackers were freaked out when they saw that I had seen them, and they knew I was going to call the police, and we sadly know how most of these violent situations end. So, I used to work as a warehouse associate at my local Sears department store. It was a pretty good job, actually, and that we had a lot of fun, had a decent amount of downtime most days, and I was friends with all of my coworkers. But we used to have some bizarre experiences there, too. Here's the eeriest one for me, personally. We had our normal warehouse in the back of the store where all of the big items like toolboxes, treadmills, and appliances were stored. But we also had perimeter stock rooms, which were small rooms, maybe as big as a walk-in closet in most cases. They were always with their respective departments and typically just held clothes or small toys. There was also a central stock room that gave us the creeps. This stock room was divided into two sections. One section was where we kept our signs, which connected to the storage room for the shoes. The other side only had one way in and out. This small separate section just held clothes for the children's department. We often played rock, paper, scissors to see who would have to stock clothes alone in there, as both sections of the room were a bit creepy, what with their dim motion-activated lights. It also didn't help that we scared each other a lot in there. The door was heavy and loud, so you always knew as soon as someone came in. Often, when my coworkers walked in, I'd stand on the other side of the shelf and reach through the clothes and grab them before they spotted me. This particular day, I was in there doing inventory when I heard the doorknob turn and click. In hindsight, I never heard the door fully open, but I still instantly prepped myself to scare whoever walked in by standing at the end of the next shelf over. 
This way, when they turned the corner, I could jump forward and I'd be right in their face, scaring them thoroughly. I saw the top of someone's head, just above the hanging clothes, bobbing as they walked. The hair color and height seemed to indicate that it was my coworker, Jake, who had gotten me good with the scares just recently. I waited until he was at the end of the shelf and I jumped, yelling some nonsense, and instantly shut my mouth. There was no one there, and the door was shut and latched still. I stood there confused for about ten entire seconds when the door opened and then Jake actually walked in. He made some quip about me seeing a ghost, then stopped laughing when he saw how freaked out I was. I made sure he didn't somehow come in, in spite of knowing it was impossible. I'd watched the person walk all the way to the end of the shelves and timed my jump perfectly so that I should have been directly in their way. If someone had turned and run out, I would have watched them do it and heard the heavy door open and slam shut from the weight. Jake assured me that he hadn't come in before now and then paused a moment, also looking freaked out. He then said, Dude, Irene actually found a guy dead in this hallway before. Irene was the assistant store manager. Before that, her 12-year tenure included being a shoe associate and then the warehouse supervisor. We found her and asked her about what happened. Apparently, years ago while she was still in shoes, she'd been walking back to the central storage room that I was in when she glanced to her left and saw a man lying outside the men's restroom, blue and still. Apparently, on a nice, slow day when there were minimal customers, the poor guy had a heart attack and died in the hallway to the restroom. Irene also told us about a time that she was in the shoe stockroom and the lights began flickering before one of the sliding shelf ladders rolled down the line on its own. So, I don't know exactly what I saw in that stockroom, but I know for sure that I saw it and the corroborating experiences and stories from many other employees at Sears only solidifies my belief that it wasn't any of my coworkers playing some impossible prank on me. I don't work there anymore, but we all had bizarre experiences in the stockroom and warehouse. I made sure to tell some of the newer employees all the good stories before I quit for a different job. I always wonder if anything else strange ever happened there. This happened to me when I was about 10 years old. I was spending the summer in a smallish town in North Dakota with my dad. It's the typical divorce story. He lived in an old apartment building full of old people on a corner lot with huge trees. Out front was a plaque commemorating a church that once existed on that same spot. There was always a creepy vibe around the whole place, but not many tangible things actually happened. I do remember sleeping under a big comforter on hot summer nights and sweating profusely because I was too afraid to be exposed to whatever creepiness lurked in the dark corners of my room. There was one night I heard the bathroom fan on and the sink running as if someone was brushing their teeth or shaving in the wee hours. My dad said it wasn't him, but who knows. On the day of my most memorable experience in that apartment, my dad was at work, so I was home alone, doing what unattended kids did in 2001. 
I was drinking Mountain Dew and playing around on the internet. I was there all morning and all afternoon, enjoying my independence. Late afternoon rolled around and I decided it was time to log off and ride my bike across town to my grandma's house. I turned off all the lights and I shut the door to leave. I realized within a few seconds that I forgot to lock the door, so I turned around and I reopened it. As I opened the door, I heard a rustling sound. It sounded like someone digging through plastic grocery bags under the sink. And then I saw him. There was a man standing in the kitchen, leaning cowboy style with one bent leg against the counter and sink area. He had a cowboy hat on and was looking down. He was a solid black shadow, seemingly flat with no dimension. Then he turned his head to look up at me with stark white eyes that made no sense and a creepy, white, slow smile. I screamed, holy frick, and slammed the door shut, not caring that it was still unlocked. I ran so fast down the three stories of stairs to get the heck out of that building and to the safety of Grandma's house. Coincidentally, as I exploded through the front door of the building, I crashed into my dad, who was just getting home. I didn't explain anything to him, and I just kept going. Fast forward years later, I'm a teenager living with my mom in Minnesota. I had a few girlfriends sleeping over at my house, and we were all camped out in the living room, which shares an open-concept design with the kitchen. The next morning, one of my friends told me she saw a creepy man in the pantry of the kitchen. I told her it must have been my mom's boyfriend. She was creeped out, and she said no, it definitely wasn't him. She then described the man that she saw. It was exactly what I had seen several years prior and a state away at my dad's. Each experience would be creepy on its own, but combined, I felt afraid, paranoid, and violated. How long has this thing been around? Who is it? What is it? Is it even there when I can't see it? I have so many questions. No sightings of the shadow cowboy since, but I have had many other paranormal experiences throughout my life. Looking online and reading other stories, I've come to find that this man in the hat is a common sighting, which is even more strange. I've had multiple paranormal experiences, but this one creeps me out the most. I've had a shadow person follow me throughout my entire life. The only time I remember seeing it myself was when I was in my old bedroom upstairs. I was around seven or eight years old, and in the middle of the night, I woke up and looked at my window, which had blinds and was illuminated by the moon. In front of the window, however, was a black silhouette of a little girl with what looked like short curly hair, almost old-timey looking. I was terrified and thought that I was seeing things, so I just rolled over and tried to go back to sleep. The door was opened when I woke up, even though I always closed my door before bed. I asked my parents if they came into my room, and they said they didn't. Although I haven't seen it again, my friends have. A couple months or so after I had seen it, I had a sleepover with my friend at the time. We had slept on the floor because my bed was too small for the both of us. 
in the middle of the night, my friend woke up and saw that there was a dark shadow standing over me, just staring down at me while I was sleeping. She told me this when we woke up in the morning, and I noticed my door had been opened. I just figured it was one of my parents checking on us, so I asked both of my parents if they came into the room, and they both said no. Years later, I moved into my sister's room, which was downstairs in the basement, after she moved out. I was 16 or 17 and had forgotten about the shadow person at this point. My best friend spent the night and she told me in the morning that she saw a shadowy figure standing in the corner of the room in the middle of the night. At first I didn't believe her until I remembered the two incidents that happened almost a decade prior. I didn't tell either of my friends about the shadow person stories until after they told me what they saw. I'm 19 now, and I haven't had any incidents that I know of since. Since 2006, my family and I have relocated to three different cities. All of the houses had this heavy energy, which I can't even put the correct words together to describe it, but it was negative energy, and I always thought that it may have been because of the family drama and bad experiences. This may or may not be true, but I never let myself think too much of it, and mainly it's because I just got used to it. Let's start with the first home from 2006 to 2011. Since I didn't have my own room, I slept on the floor by my parents' bed. Across from me was a door which led to a hallway that connected to both the living room and my brother's bedroom door. I was able to see my brother's bed by simply looking over the door. One night, I woke up randomly in the middle of the night and kept tossing and turning while trying to go back to sleep. After about an hour of this, I ended up on my back facing the bedroom door. I don't know why, but I decided to look over the door and saw a man in his maybe later 20s staring down at me from the outer part of the bedroom door. As my heart rate slowly increased, I kept telling myself that it may be all in my head, or it was my brother, but when I looked over, I saw my brother sleeping on his bed. I closed my eyes for a few seconds and opened them again, and that thing was still staring down at me. His face wasn't clear, but I was able to see his evil grin, almost as if he was laughing at me, like a smile an evil person would have on his face after defeating an enemy. I freaked out and I froze. I went under my blanket and fell back asleep from fear, anxiety, and lack of oxygen due to heavy breathing. The next day, I told my parents, and of course, like every parent, they said it must have been a nightmare. The second home we moved to towards the end of 2011 had three bedrooms, so I was able to have my own room. Earlier, I mentioned the negative energy which I always felt in the house, but this home had that energy only in my room. My mom never liked coming into my room. After multiple times asking my mom why she didn't like coming to my room or staying there for long, she finally told me that my room felt extremely heavy and unwelcoming, and she said something kept pushing her out of my room. She admitted that she would only come to my room only if she really had to, but otherwise, she would never enter. Just like the first time I saw the evil guy, 
I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw him again. This time, it was a little bit different though. He was standing at the end of my bed, staring at me with that same evil, haunting smile, and I was able to see what he was wearing. He had on a thick, striped, long-sleeved shirt, and his face wasn't as blurred as before. After the second time of seeing him, I saw him a few more times, and he stopped visiting me until one week ago. Last week, I was sitting on my bedside petting my dog. I left my door open all the way so that my other dog could come to my room. I noticed my dog was staring at my door while I was petting him, so I got curious and looked over, and I saw that guy again. He was standing four stairs below the starting point of the stairs by my room, just staring at me. I looked away without thinking twice and continued petting my dog and hugging him. After a few seconds, I turned around and he was gone. Judging by his clothes, his height, and his face, I'm convinced that this is the same spirit that has followed me from my first home to my now third home. I'm not really sure what he wants from me, and I didn't know what to do or who can help me, but I'm freaking out, and I want to put an end to the situation as soon as possible. I'm from a smaller town in southeast Texas near Beaumont. This happened two years ago while I was working for a security company while still in college. It was Christmas Eve and I had picked up a couple of extra shifts for the holiday pay. I had never been to this site before and the day shift guard didn't say a word about any suspicious things happening besides the occasional homeless person seeking shelter. This site was a massive metal company who fills rail cars with all different metals and minerals to ship cross-country. I found it odd that they only had one guard for a place this big, but the company I worked for did not have the best reputation. So I arrive for my 12-hour shift in the first couple of hours. Nothing is happening. I'm watching Critical Role. It's a Dungeons & Dragons show on YouTube. And every hour on the hour, it takes me about 30 minutes to walk the entire property, making sure the place is empty and nothing bad is happening. Well, at the 1 a.m. walk around, I came across a light on in a storage closet that had not been on the other seven times that I had passed it that night. I know for sure it wasn't because I had looked inside being nosy. The closet was about 10 feet by 10 feet and only had shelves with different samples of metal in containers. I walked inside and examined the light switch. It wasn't a motion-activated one, nor was it on a timer. This light switch was a stubby fat switch that's rather hard to flip compared to normal switches, so this couldn't have been an accidental switch flip on my part. The very second I flipped the lights off in this closet, my heart sinks to my ankles, because from across the hall, in the laboratory, the AM-FM radio turns on. Now, remember, I've been through this exact hall seven times by now, and not once did I hear the radio on, not even when I was five steps across the hall from the lab in this little closet. I walk through the lab and turn the radio off, peeking out the door to see if a worker had come in without me knowing. Not a single car in the lot besides mine. 
I close and I lock the door back. Now, being an army vet and a larger man, I'm 6'1", about 255, I don't scare easy. But for some reason, a large feeling of fear and dread filled me up. Like when you flip the lights off and you feel like something is chasing you up the stairs. I walk out of the lab and with my big spotlight, I make my way into the warehouse. No sooner than when the swinging door shut, I heard people talking. Only two voices, and hardly audible above a whisper, but clear as day that it was a full conversation happening. My blood turned to ice because now I had no reason to believe that I was alone. I shouted out, Security, you cannot be in here. Whoever you are, come out. I heard one of the voices whisper a harsh and loud shh sound, almost like it was telling the other to be quiet. After several more unsuccessful attempts to order whoever it was to come out, I began searching. I looked high and low for over an hour and a half in any nook or cranny that a person could fit in and found nothing. No footprints in the thin layer of metal dust, no signs of forced entry or exit, nothing indicating that anyone else was there. After my long search, I went back to my desk to eat and continue watching my show while reporting what I had seen and heard. I went on two more rounds before the final event of the night happened. Now, our company has lieutenants that patrol around all the sites, making sure everything is okay and making sure that we aren't asleep. The time is unannounced and no one but them knows when they show up. So, at about 4.30 a.m., when I heard the heavy, locked metal door at the end of the hall open and then clear, distinct bootsteps walking towards me, I yelled out, Good morning, Lieutenant. Thirty seconds go by, and I no longer hear walking, nor any response to my greeting. I shoot out of my chair, running down the hall, looking for who that was. I once again check the parking lot, and my vehicle is the only one there. I now check the entire place, taking me two hours, but once again, I find nothing. When the first employee shows up, I tell them about my night, and they tell me no one has ever had any weird experiences here. So was it just a weird night? Was it my imagination? Or was I visited by a ghost of Christmas trying to scare me? I guess I'll never know. The other day, I was grocery shopping at my local Walmart with my four-month-old. While I was loading up my vehicle, I heard an excuse me from behind me. My cart was very full to the point of almost overflowing with larger items. Toilet paper, diapers, you get it. So I thought maybe something fell out of my cart or I left something behind in the store. As I turned around, there was a woman about two feet away from me, which in itself startled me. She was holding a bouquet of wilted flowers and was handing me a rose saying Happy Mother's Day. Out of instinct, I reached out and I took the rose from her. I immediately became hyper aware of my surroundings and instinctively grabbed onto the cart, which had my son in his car seat still in it. The conversation then went as follows. 
lady says, Happy Mother's Day. She's very monotone. No smile, nothing. I say, thank you. Lady says, I need donations. My child is very, very sick. She tries to show me a laminated but old-looking piece of paper, but it was under her arm holding it. I said, oh no, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash on me to give you. Lady stares at me for a few seconds and says, but my child, I need donations. Now, I'm starting to get nervous. I say, I'm really sorry. I wish I could help, but I can't. And I handed the rose back to her. She says, you don't want it? My child is very sick. I said, hey, you keep the flower for yourself, and I hope your child gets better. Sorry. She grabs the flower from me and starts running to the other people in the parking lot. I was really scared, and I started to almost panic, so I put my son into my vehicle, trying not to touch him with the hand that was holding the flower because of the stories that I've read and have been told. I then got into my vehicle and locked the doors and started washing my hands with the sanitizer that I keep in the console. I sat there for a few minutes, making sure nobody was around me and nothing was happening to me, and then I filed a police report for suspicious behavior. Maybe I overreacted, and this woman really was looking for help for her child, but the whole situation seemed fishy to me. Especially after she left me, she went after other people and was even banging on their car windows. While I was filing the police report, I watched a man driving around the same area of the parking lot, taking pictures of vehicles and parking in multiple spots, then moving again. Needless to say, I got the hell out of there. This person submitted an edit for clarification. They say, I don't think I was going to get drugged, I don't think I was going to get trafficked, and I don't think I was about to be kidnapped. The fact of the matter is that in the small city in Canada that I was shopping in, this is not common at all. We don't even have any homeless people out and about. While this may be common where you live and may not seem scary to you, it was scary to me. You never know anyone's intentions, so regardless if she was just panhandling, it seemed suspicious. I stand behind my decision to file a police report as she was harassing people, banging on their windows, and generally being creepy. There was also the man driving around the parking lot taking pictures of cars, which I thought was weird as hell. The stories that I've heard to explain why I avoided touching anything with the hand that I held the flower with, in sister cities to me, people have been approached the same way that I was, and once they got into their vehicles, they passed out. They think there was a substance put on the flower or the item they were given which made them black out in order for them to be robbed, or worse. Please keep in mind that these are simply stories that I've read on Facebook from people posting their experiences and news outlets posting about it. I don't know if there's any truth to these stories, but... They're scary enough to stick with you. In hindsight, the woman was also holding the row, so obviously there was nothing on it, but in the moment, I didn't consider that, so I still sanitized my hand, which I would have done regardless after being in the store touching things. 
I worked the late shift to pay for university, and I come home at midnight. I share a house with my mom and park my car in a garage that you can open with a remote control. You can get straight into the house through a door that connects the garage with the basement, which I normally do except for Thursdays, where I go around the house to pull our trash cans onto the street and then enter through the main door. Our house is surrounded by tall bushes, so you can't see much of the street. It's a small, rural village, and I know all the neighbors very well. On a Thursday night, I returned home from my shift, and when I drove into our street, I noticed an unfamiliar car with its headlights on. Since I know my neighborhood so well, I was kind of confused about the car, but couldn't see the license plate nor the person sitting in the car clearly since the light was blinding me. You only drive into our street when you live there or visit someone there since it only circles back to the main street when you follow it to the end. I opened the gate and the garage door remotely and drove inside. From that point, I can only see the street through the gate since the bushes are so high on both sides. I normally would have left the car and walked outside to grab the trash can, but that day I got a long voice message from a friend and stayed in my car to listen to it. Seven minutes into the message, I lift my gaze and look into my rearview mirror, and I see a man standing in my driveway behind my car. He didn't move in any way. He just stood perfectly still and watched me. I panicked and I locked the doors, then grabbed the remote and closed the extremely slow garage gate. I sat there for a moment and was too scared to leave the car since I couldn't be sure that he didn't enter the garage before the door had reached the floor. I also had to call my mother because the garage door into the basement was locked since I had planned to use the main door. She later told me that she immediately went to the window. She can see the street since she lives on the first floor, but she couldn't see the man or the car at that point. I told myself it probably was a neighbor who wasn't thinking about how creepy he was acting and that I just didn't recognize him in the dark, but over the following days, I asked around and nobody knew the man. I only got the information that that type of car was seen slowly driving around our neighborhood during the last several days. My mom thinks it was somebody that wanted to surprise me and forced me to let him into the house to rob us. My grandma had just died and nobody knew that my mom spent the nights over. She thinks he waited behind the bushes and got impatient or confused when I didn't exit the car. We never found out who it was. This isn't the scariest story on this sub, but I consider myself a pretty alert and vigilant guy who manages to avoid a lot of creepy encounters. These things don't happen to me often, so when they do, they stand out. It was a few months ago. I'd just gone thrift shopping around 8.30 p.m. at Value Village. I didn't find anything good, but I didn't want to waste the trip, so before heading home, I decided to take my dog out of the car for a quick walk around the block. I smoked some weed and unexpectedly got really into the walk. 
The night air was cool and refreshing. The rain felt nice on my face, and the ground beneath my feet was unusually satisfying to walk on. It was pretty blissful, so I took my time circling back to my car. Once I got back, the Value Village was closed and my car was the only one left in the parking lot. All the lights in the lot were out. I walked through the darkness to my car with very little situational awareness and unlocked it with the fob. I didn't even notice the guy at the bus stop before he started talking to me. The bus stop was at the street, right in front of the parking lot, about 30 feet from my car. He was behind the bus stop, not in front of it, where someone would actually be waiting for the bus. There was nobody else around. He asked me, Can I have a cigarette? I told him I don't smoke. He began to come towards me, but stopped, and then followed up with, Do you have any money? To which I said, No, sorry. I instantly got a bad feeling about him. Something was... off. I've worked with homeless people for years, and I get asked for cigarettes and money often, but there was something different about this. Maybe because the way he phrased the questions was a little different than how most people ask. When, as I said no, he stared at me for a few seconds, and then turned, quickly walked away around a wall, and out of sight. At this point, I knew I had to keep an eye on that corner. I just knew he was going to come back. I only took my eyes off it to open the rear door and to put my dog in the back seat. My dog doesn't always get into the car right away and sometimes takes some convincing. I tried to rush it as much as possible, yanking his leash upwards until he jumped in maybe five seconds later. I buckled him in and I shut the door. I whipped my head back around towards the corner and the guy wasn't there, he was behind me. He was quietly approaching, about ten feet away, with his hands in his jacket. Not in the pockets, or the bottom of his jacket, but through the top of the slightly opened zipper. I made eye contact with him, and he stopped moving. He just looked in another direction, and froze. I used this time to get into my vehicle and lock the doors. I felt like it took ages, because I was still slightly stoned and my reflexes were slow. If he hadn't stopped walking, he probably would have been able to reach me before I got in. I drove off and mostly forgot about it until now. There was nothing else in that parking lot. No reason for him to be there. It was super weird. Ever since then, I've remembered to be more mindful of my surroundings. Another story time from the archives of my mind from 2016 in Portland, Oregon. To paint the picture, it was my freshman year at Portland State University, October-November time period. Cool and breezy, a perfect night for sneaking some alcohol past the RAs in the Broadway resident hall. A handful of friends I created a friend group of decided to gather in a new mate's dorm while her sister was away and pass the night's time with Rosé Angry Orchards and Sour Apple Four Locos. See, 
At Broadway, they did a few rounds nightly to assure the noise levels were done. No lower classmen were in the upper floors. No alcohol drinking or drug partaking was occurring. Things like that. At this time, it was about 9 p.m., and being the klutz that I was, I spilled my four loco over a blanket sheet, causing the smell to attract the RA on their round. Long story short, we all got written up, had to dump what we had left, and called it a night. Well, a friend and I, I'll call her D here, went down to the notorious Max shop downstairs to chain smoke our American spirits and rave about how the night was still young and that it was a damn shame the fun had to be ruined so early on. We were met with an older 30s to early 40s man who seemed nice enough to greet us, as they all do. He overheard how the night was just as young as we were, and if we were down, he would pull some cash for beer and we'd all drink together in his penthouse. Now, Dee and I chalked up his penthouse to being bullshit, but the promise of free beer already had us all in. We walked to the ATM just up the road. He grabbed his funds and got some PBR and Angry Orchards at Max. We head to the dark park blocks. Dee and I hyped up that we can continue our buzz and get drunk for free. Now... If you live in Portland and have college friends or went to PSU, you know of The View. Heading to the direction of the art museum, he unlocks the front door to The View. Dee and I now convinced he wasn't blowing smoke about having a penthouse. The three of us walk in, we head to the elevator, and lo and behold, he presses the P button atop the long list of numbers indicating each floor, and we head up to the penthouse. We get to his door, D and I holding each other's hands in companionship and excitement that we are in a goddamn penthouse getting drunk. We sit at the center of the man's living room, having the smallest of small talk about law and order. He tells D and I how he affords the penthouse through his fish and chip food cart in the South Park blocks by the PSU library, and so on. We're basically working our way through as many beers as we can before we admire the cityscape from the balcony before leaving and pay most of his stories no mind. We head out to the balcony and look overhead, smoking and raving to our group chat about what we got ourselves into and enjoying ourselves. Now, the whole time we were at this man's table and on his balcony, he was texting or calling somebody or several people on his phone. We consider it to be no issue at all until after about 20 minutes into basking in the penthouse views, we notice a lady, not too well kept and tidy, sitting on his couch, talking with him. He tells us to take a seat. We hesitate, but we do. I sit on the farthest end of the couch from the mysterious lady and Dee sits next to the guy as she tries rushing through her beer and texts the group chat for someone to call in a few minutes with an excuse for us to dip now that we've had as many beers as we could and want to leave. The penthouse predator leans in towards Dee to tell her how beautiful her eyes are. He dives quickly to her face for a kiss in which she dodges amazingly fast. She mumbles how she isn't okay with that and that our friend T is actually her girlfriend. 
I ramble on about how that's true and how I have a boyfriend. Also a lie, but sounded good at the time. The man then puts his hands in his face, stands up aggressively, and swiftly enough to bump his table and knock over all the beer cans and glasses on top of it, and angrily says, What the F? You have five seconds to run before I, well, assault both of you. Dee and I exchanged frightened looks, her saying, What? Before I yank her arm, we grab our phones and bags as we run to navigate the elevator. We frantically run down the hall, scared, making it to the elevator before we remember there's a poor lady in there now alone and locked in with him. We contemplate calling the police and our friends for help or saving the lady first. Dee and I decide simultaneously to run down to the lobby where I leave three maximum capacity voicemails to our aforementioned friend, T, who did not answer. Once we realize it was now 3 a.m. and none of our friends were awake, we decide to tiptoe back to his door and overhear the two laughing. Apparently, this lady is a regular of his, either an SW or his own personal buddy. And he called her over to convince us to have a threesome or a foursome. But when we heard him say he wanted to keep D around a little while longer, that was enough for both of us to hear. We run back to the elevators, back down to our dorm buildings, and try to sober up to piece together how we got ourselves into that situation and what exactly we got ourselves into. The next morning, our group chat blew up over what happened, us not recalling much after the alcohol, and our brains trying to block out what we did comprehend but didn't want to discuss. Our friend T, playing my voicemails over and over to the friend group, with it being laughed at over time once the seriousness had died down. I'm unsure if that man was the guy that ran the popular fish and chips cart right outside the PSU library, or if the food cart is still there to this day. I dropped out of college after just one semester, so I paid no mind during that time to ever verify if the man was telling the truth. I still bounce back between Portland and whichever new state I choose to reside in and might just go one day to see if it's there, to see if he's there. All I know is I never wish to see that penthouse predator in Portland, Oregon ever again. This happened at the start of this year. I'm a 13-year-old girl, and yes, I know I'm young, but I've always been mature for my age. I've even been known to be mistaken for a 17-year-old. I'm 5'5", so it's common for people to get confused with my age. One day, I was visiting my auntie's grave by myself. It was a stormy day, but I had been missing her, so I decided to go anyway. The graveyard was quite far away from my home, so I caught a train. Even then, the walk was over half an hour. The walk involved a steep hill, so after it started raining cats and dogs, I didn't want to walk up a hill in case I'd fall over. I had blisters all over my feet, and I had fallen on my knee at the graveyard, leaving me unable to straighten my leg. The walk to the next train station, down the hill, was just over an hour long. And before you say, 
You should have called your parents. I only have one, and she was at work. I made it about halfway when a car pulled up in front of where I was walking. Before I was in earshot, I could see that it was two 25 to 35 year old men smoking. Mind you, I was here in a very short skirt because I had nothing else to wear, so I was already kind of nervous. When I got closer to the car, I was hoping to just walk around it and pretend that it wasn't there, but the guy in the driver's seat rolled down his window. I took out my AirPods and stopped at the window. Logically, I should have kept walking, but I was scared that they needed help with something and I didn't want to be a dick. He grinned at me, taking the joint from out of his mouth and handing it to his friend. Do you need a ride? Was all that he asked me. I politely declined. I knew better than to get into some random stranger's car. I wasn't an idiot. His face dropped as I declined and turned more serious. I thanked him for the offer and began walking away. Hey girl, just get in my car, he said, causing me to freeze. I've had too many encounters with strange men while trying to get home, but none that ever involved multiple men or a car. I told myself to just keep walking and forget it, but as I started walking, he yelled, Get in my car right now. His friend also chimed in with, Come on, darling, it'll be fun. At this point, I was visibly shaking, but I was also drenched from the rain, so it wasn't surprising. I told myself there was nothing else I could do but keep walking. So I put my AirPods back in to try and get them to know I wasn't paying attention anymore and began on my way, trying my best to cover up my noticeable limp. The fact was, I didn't actually play any music, and before they could do anything else, a car drove down the street. I heard them talking moderately loudly, saying, pick her up at the next chance? And the others say, damn right. If it wasn't for me not playing the music I was pretending to listen to, I knew I wouldn't have heard this. They sped off, and I sat down once they were out of eyesight. I remember crying from fear, and when I finally got up, I bolted through the bush. If I cut through the bush, eventually I would have reached a different road, which I did. I never saw them again after that, and I'm extremely thankful. It still scares me that if they saw my limp, or if I didn't have my AirPods, that something else could have happened, and I could have not been here typing this today. I've convinced myself that it was just two junkies who wanted to make a sick joke, and they knew all along that I wasn't listening to them. I also live in a safe enough town, and I wouldn't expect anything like kidnapping to happen there. I haven't told anyone about this for multiple reasons. I have some mental health issues, and I was supposed to be on lockdown that day. My mom hates when I go to the graveyard, and I still think this was all a joke. Even if it wasn't a joke, it was in January. I don't remember the license plate, what the guys looked like, or even what model the car was, so it's pointless telling anyone about it. I just wanted to let it out in some way, hence why I'm sharing my story here. This shit is scary, but that's just the real world. This story takes place back in 2016 
on Valentine's Day. I took out my then-girlfriend to dinner, and after dinner, I drove us to the beach. I always love walking the beach, especially at night, because of the atmosphere of everything. The quietness, the calmness, and the sense of peace. But this night didn't end up like any of that. I parked the car in the parking lot that hardly anyone ever parks in because of how far away it is from the pier, from the lighthouse, and the other sights to see on the beach. I preferred parking here this time because, well, it's Valentine's Day and the privacy is what we wanted. I parked the car reverse into the lot where we're facing the long road that we drove to to get to the secluded parking lot. Also to add that the lot is on a small decline with a slight slope to get down into the lot. Her and I are listening to music and I'm telling my usual scary stories that I find on Reddit and on YouTube. We're there for about 30 minutes when out in the road above and in front of us we see the headlights of this truck driving towards us fast. At first I'm not alarmed by this because I know plenty of people who speed down that road since no cop cars could hide behind anywhere. But my heart skips a beat when I see the truck not slowing down at all when it's about to enter the parking lot. I swear that the truck was airborne for just a few moments since they didn't slow down to the drive down the slope. I tell my girlfriend to get down in her seat and so do I as I don't want the driver to see us in the car. I get my keys ready into the ignition just in case the truck wants to stop in front of us. I've seen plenty of horror movies and read many stories and I don't feel like being the Zodiac copycat killer's next victims at Lover's Lane. To ease my girlfriend, who I know was freaking out, I jokingly tell her that some people are just in that much of a rush to get some Valentine's Day special treatment. She doesn't laugh. The truck zooms past us and parks crooked in the lot nearest to where the sand on the beach starts. It's about 50 yards away from us. Immediately, three men jump out of the truck and all of them run directly to the water, shouting out loud. Since it was nine in the evening, they disappear into the darkness and, just for reference, the parking lot is about 100 yards away from the shoreline. All is now quiet again, and my girlfriend and I can finally take a breath of fresh air. But no more than three minutes later, the three men jump back into the truck and again speed away, never to be seen again. Her and I had had enough spooks for the night, so we drive away ourselves. The next day at work, I tell one of my co-workers this story during lunch, and she pulls out her phone to see if there's anything posted online yet, and... Immediately, she finds the article that I would post below the story, but the subreddit doesn't allow screenshots or links. But to summarize the news article, it says, A man was stabbed Sunday night on the Hunim Pier, police said. The incident happened at about 9.15 p.m. The victim was a 20-year-old Oxnard man. Police said the victim was attacked by three men. There was no doubt that the men in the truck were responsible. The only reason why I didn't contact the police is because, at that time in my life, I didn't know anything about cars or what makes and models existed, so I couldn't even give that simple information to the police. Also, to add, since it was dark, 
couldn't even see the men's faces or any other key features that they had. And for those wondering why I didn't get out of the car to write down the license plate, well, I didn't feel like being a next victim in whatever those people were doing. My theory for why the men drove to our parking spot and ran to the beach is so they can wash off any evidence linking them to the attack. Let me preface this by saying since about 1999 or 2000, I've been getting accused of being in places, having conversations that I don't remember, etc. This other me always drives the same car that I have. I think the two of us have been swapping back and forth for two decades now. Until this past autumn, it hadn't happened for several years. Then, in October, I was getting phone calls and people telling me later that they saw me somewhere and that they were calling to me, but I was ignoring them. On to the main reason that I came to post this. In November, I was in a horrible car accident. My BFF lives about a mile from me. We were leaving my house and heading to hers. She left about two minutes before me, her 12-year-old daughter with her. About a minute after I left, she called to tell me she was stopping at the gas station and that I needed to get over into the right lane because there was a really bad accident blocking the left lane. She says it's weird because one of the vehicles in the accident looked exactly like mine. We hung up right before I went through an intersection about a quarter mile from the gas station and the intersection where the accident was. I set my phone down next to me, and the next thing I know, I can only describe as my soul or my life force being forcefully sucked back into my body. My left leg is pinned under the dashboard, and the windshield is on top of me. I was somehow instantly transported six blocks to an accident that happened before I was even on that street. My BFF and her daughter say there's no way this could have happened because they passed the accident while on the phone with me. The people who stopped to help all said that they didn't know what happened and they didn't see anything, even though the street was full of cars. I mean, it was rush hour on a main street. When I say my van was totaled, I mean that no one knows how I could have survived. I had to be cut out of my van. Once I was out of the hospital, I started noticing little things just being off. I just can't put my finger on what it was that's not right. I feel like I'm in a different reality, be it ever so slightly different. I think maybe my alt died and I lived. I don't know. But I can't figure out how the accident happened or how I went from one intersection to another in a split second how my BFF and her 12-year-old daughter saw it while they were on the phone with me telling me about it. This whole situation is driving me nuts and maybe somewhere I have kids that are mourning their mother right now. Right before the accident was when several people said that they saw me and since the accident, no one has seen my alt and I don't know if anyone ever will. This is all just blowing my mind, and whenever I try to tell somebody about it, they look at me like I need a padded room and 24-7 care. I'd probably think that too if I didn't have independent witnesses. 
This person has added an edit to their story to include this next part. They say, I absolutely can't believe that I forgot this part. So, last year I filed my taxes and I got my refund. I needed to file an amendment and was told I'd get it by early August. August comes and goes and nothing. No one can tell me jack. I forget about it, and this whole time, the van that was wrecked had a massive hole in the radiator and other major things that just weren't worth fixing. So, the amendment was going to get me a new car. Well, the accident happens, and I can't leave my house for three months due to my injuries and my panic attacks at the mere suggestion. February rolls around, and in the middle of the night, I see an envelope on the floor next to my bed. I open it, and it's the damn amendment check. Finally. No one knows where it came from, and everyone swears it was never in the mailbox. Anyways, a few weeks prior to this, my BFF, which is the same one as before, who works at a mechanic shop, casually mentions that she bought a 2001 Pontiac Aztec at a ridiculous price to resell there. My jaw drops. That vehicle is number three on my all-time list. I've literally wanted one since 2001. It had one owner, and it was in almost brand new condition. I was fretting for three weeks on how I could get the money to buy it because they weren't going to hold on to it for me. And boom, here comes the check. At the exact time I can now leave my house is the exact time that that car shows up. If I had gotten my amendment check back in August, I probably would have fixed the van because it would have been easier and cheaper. So, all that crap happens with the accident, and then this was my silver lining. A vehicle that was only manufactured for five years, barely sold any, and was touted as the car that killed Pontiac. Like, that was what made this whole thing even weirder. Plus, I paid half of what it was worth because of the hookup from my BFF who worked at the shop. I basically paid for the repairs on it that the other owner didn't want to pay for. This car is going to be buried with me, you guys. So, yeah, that's the weird, more than a coincidence, rest of the story. Sorry I forgot all of that before, but there it is, in all its perfectly timed madness. And honestly, if it meant I ended up with the Aztec, I'd do the whole thing over. Broken body, unanswered questions, all of it. This might not sound like a first-hand encounter, but it is. Just bear with me for a bit. My mom had always been spiritual and religious. She says she has part of God's light, but I don't believe any of that. I'm a hardcore atheist. I just think that she found a way to hack the simulation without even realizing it. So, my mom always says a prayer when she loses something and she would miraculously find the thing that she lost in the most unexpected places. She even says the same prayer for other people when they lose something. Literally, one time she said the prayer for one of her friends who watched her earrings fall into the sink and after asking my mom to say the prayer, she found them on the floor of her living room later that day. But that's only one of the things that my mom does. So, 
One day, I was sarcastically telling my mom to say a prayer to help me find my old, precious puppy doll, which I had lost a long time ago. And she literally said, I'm afraid that you'll go insane after finding it there in a completely different country and you won't be able to handle it. Now, I was moving to another country, but I was still like, yeah, right. So, I moved to another country and guess what I found? Not the puppy doll, unfortunately, but I found a hair clipper that I lost almost two years ago. It suddenly appeared in one of my bags. I was shocked because I searched for it everywhere. Plus, I selectively chose each and every item and put them into my bag and sealed it shut before I left. I tried to rationalize it, that I must have missed it, but there was just no way because I made sure to take only what I needed and their hair clipper just wasn't there. I didn't ask my mom about any of this because she would try to tease me because I don't believe in a god and now that happened. Hmm. Alright, so this is really weird. Last Sunday, me and my parents were visiting my sisters in Copenhagen. We were going to the zoo before eating pizza at my sister's place afterwards. We parked our car near my sister's apartment because it's just easier to take the bus. Parking spots near the zoo are almost non-existent. We get on the bus and sit down somewhere in the middle. In most newer buses in Denmark, there are two pairs of screens, one in the front and then one around the middle. One of the screens from each pair shows what stop is next, while the other screen plays different ads and news, but it's always on mute. They were playing some informational video about how to buy a bus ticket over the phone. I wasn't paying attention until something caught my eye. I'm really not sure what, but this blonde girl with dreadlocks in her 20s wearing a white t-shirt appeared on the screen. Just as the doors to the bus slide open, the very same girl actually stepped onto the bus. Now, I just kind of brushed it off. It's not uncommon for those ads to include regular people like you and me. It was probably just a coincidence that she was taking that very same bus. Three stops later, my family and I get off and we go to buy zoo tickets. Behind the glass, handing us the tickets is the same blonde girl with dreadlocks in her early 20s, but wearing a military green t-shirt with the zoo's logo on it. Now, that was weird. That happened two more times within the next few minutes as we made our way towards the pandas, always wearing different clothes, but the same girl with the same hair. Her eyes were also very distinct. Her expression was constantly firm. She had freckles on her cheeks and on her nose. When I pointed her out to my sister, she agreed that she did look familiar, but couldn't ever get a good look at her before she disappeared into the crowd and wasn't seen again. Hey, it's me. If you are a fan of these scary stories or my channel and you haven't subscribed yet, I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider doing that now. I would greatly appreciate you. Here's more stories.
Like everywhere else in the world, we receive the daily newspaper. Well, daily. So I usually discard certain items in my kitchen after wrapping them up in old newspaper. Of course, I casually, by default, just glance around at the articles printed on it before wrapping and throwing it away. These past few days, something weird happened. The first day, I picked up an old newspaper, tore a random sheet, saw the page, and it had the recent Met Gala images on it. It was very eye-catching. Blake Lively in the golden dress, Cara Delevingne covered in gold paint, Sarah Jessica Parker in the big, glamorous headgear. I'm not sure what those are called. Anyway, I crumpled it up and I tossed it. A couple of days later, I pulled out an old newspaper again, tore a random sheet out, and again, without doubt, it's the same sheet. Same pictures, same articles. I think to myself, maybe I'm mistaken, or maybe, perhaps, we got two sets of identical papers delivered by mistake. I still glance at the date just to be sure. It really is the date I saw from two days ago. I wrote it off as deja vu. Now, almost a week to 10 days after this incident, which I'd completely forgotten about because of how trivial a coincidence it seemed, I pick a random paper from the old pile of papers that I've collected over the past few days. I tear a random sheet and it's the same damn sheet again. Same pictures, same articles, same date. Even if somehow an identical copy of the newspaper found its way into my house, how was the same sheet appearing this many times in a row, after me crumpling it up and discarding it multiple times? No one's messing with me for sure, because firstly, no one in my house has that kind of time or sense of humor, and secondly, there's no way to ensure what page from the stack I'd randomly choose to and tear off. This one is kind of mundane, but it still messes me up and confuses me more than anything I've ever experienced. So, when I was 16, I got my first job as a camp counselor, and my mom bought me a nice pair of hiking boots as a gift. I wore them all summer, but when it was time for me to pack and go home, I absolutely could not find them, even though I'd worn them the day before. I searched everywhere and even had my co-workers help me search and we didn't find anything. I even searched everywhere once I got home just in case but neither me or my family could find them there either. I kind of accepted that I wasn't going to find them and I felt bad and I eventually forgot about it. Well, three years later, I was packing my things to move out of my parents' house while grabbing a bag from under the sideboard table in the dining room, I noticed a pair of shoes underneath two, so I grabbed them to put them away. Lo and behold, they were my boots. Keep in mind, the legs on the sideboard were long enough that there's no way they would have gone unnoticed under there since we kept our shoes under it too often. All of my family members denied putting them there, and we thoroughly searched everywhere the first time that I lost them, since they were pretty expensive. Also, I didn't even originally lose them in the house. This still boggles my mind to this day, 
and I can't think of an explanation that lines up with where I actually lost them. Back in 2018, I was 17 years old and had come back from abroad to visit my friends in my home city for the winter. I remember it was the cold month of December and I was walking back to my apartment after a medical appointment with my mother when I happened to pass by this very old abandoned drama theater that was built in the 1800s where my grandfather had temporarily worked in his youth, which had been closed ever since the 90s. I recall that I hadn't been on that street for a long time, since my childhood, because I would always avoid the old drama theater building as it always gave me very strange vibes. So I would always just take the other way home back to the city center. However, that particular day, I happened to take that route for some unknown reason and I took that road with my mother while we discussed my upcoming exams until she stopped me at the intersection for some odd reason and told me I was going the wrong way. At that moment, I saw a young blonde girl sitting in a very familiar blue opal car playing on her PSP 3000 in the back seat. She glanced up to look at me all of a sudden. Our eyes met and I felt an odd sense of familiarity and recollection. I froze for a bit, in shock, until I heard my mother's voice and decided to quickly turn back. I went home as if nothing happened and then realized that when I was a kid back in 2009, it was snowing and I had seen an older teenager with highlights, makeup, and a purple winter jacket looking at me strangely when I was in the car with my dad in the back seat waiting for my mother to get back from the local store a few blocks away. And that's when it hit me that this person was actually me. She too had looked away quickly after locking eyes with me when I was a kid and she was dressed in the same attire that I was wearing in 2018. It was almost as if what happened wasn't supposed to happen, like I wasn't supposed to be there on that day. Even now, I'm very confused. How could I possibly have seen myself from the future and for me to remember it? I've never told anyone about it because they would assume I'm a delusional idiot or something. This had been something I haven't been able to explain to anyone. I still sometimes think about it and wonder whether I just fell asleep with my eyes open and had hallucinated the entire event, but I still recall it as blue as daylight. I've even asked my mother about the event and she blankly stared at me, saying that she remembered I was acting odd that day, wanting to go back to that place for some unknown reason. I don't believe in the supernatural, but after having experienced this event... I think there is definitely something else there which we aren't aware of. Here's some information up front. I'm a manager of a clerical team. I have an assistant manager that we call a lead that I interact with daily and we're constantly taking care of the team together. The date of the experience was June 6, 2022. 
I got to work at 9 a.m. and was immediately pulled into a meeting that lasted two hours and was broken up halfway through for a coffee break. I left my peer manager's office and went to my office to grab my mug and a K-cup. To get to where I was heading, I had to pass by my lead's desk. When I got there, she was sitting at her desk working on something on her computer. I stopped by to give a quick hello and catch up on need-to-knows. I made some remark like, Hey, how are you this morning? She was very focused on her computer and didn't immediately respond. I've learned that when she's that focused, it's best if I just walk away because if I insist on a conversation, she'll have to restart her train of thought and I didn't want to interrupt her in the zone moment. Plus, I was still needed back at the meeting, so I walked away and I got my coffee. After the meeting, I needed to have my lead work on something that was discussed in the meeting. She wasn't at her desk, so I asked the team if they knew where she had went. They all said that nobody had seen her today. I laughed and thought they were all trying to prank me. However, they reiterated that she had called in. I kind of lost my cool, not out of anger, but because I was truly baffled by the situation. I text my lead and she doesn't respond, so now I'm getting concerned about her well-being. I'm still at a loss as to how to explain this, but I eventually get a hold of her and she confirms that she wasn't at work and never came in that day. She's a little weirded out, but I'm really bothered now. I legit had a one-sided conversation with her and I know it was her. There's no way that it wasn't her. Our desks are assigned, especially for me and my leads. It bothered me so much that when I got home, I spent all night watching YouTube videos on being able to see or perceive alternate dimensions. It's literally the only conclusion that I can draw. I would think, though, that out of almost 40 employees in the office, at least a few of them would have noticed me talking to an empty desk. This person includes two edits for context and a reply to a comment. The first one says, I talked about a change in the scenario that I didn't realize at first. I remember we were talking about a singular issue with a report, and then after breaking to get coffee, we were addressing two issues, and I distinctly remember being confused about the disconnect. The second edit says, I read a comment on another post that had mentioned quantum immortality. So, my question is, did I die in the break room while getting coffee? Hmm. Here's a quick glitch, one from the year 2000. My mom, my brother, and I were driving home from Wildwood, New Jersey, which we do every year with local friends in the next town over. This was the era before GPS, so we had printed MapQuest instructions to get around. We left Wildwood and headed home at about 8 a.m. and should have been home just five hours later by 1 p.m. Somewhere in New Jersey or New York, we started to get hungry because it's a long trip and we didn't have any food packed. I was listening to my Sony CD player at the time and I had asked my mom to stop and find a place to eat. 
We skipped breakfast that day to make good time on the road. We get off the highway to find some food, but we soon got lost at around 10.30 a.m. We didn't see a car for miles. The roads looked weird, and we started seeing roadways closed for construction, but there was no construction actively being worked on. We saw more than one highway entrance that was just blocked with cones. We didn't see the highway either, so we couldn't get back on the Garden State Parkway. We couldn't find any way out of this place that we had got lost in, which was near a body of water. That's when we all collectively lost track of time. It's normally a five-hour drive home, and when we all came to, it was 3 p.m. We looked at each other, and we all said the same things. Where did the time go? What time is it? How long have we been driving? Where are we? We finally found a weird, old-timey diner and got some food. The waiter gave us some good directions out of there, and we finally got home around 6 p.m. A five-hour car trip turned into a 10-hour glitch. I recently asked my mom what she remembers about this event, and she remembers it exactly the way I do, as posted above. She always jokingly says, we must have been abducted by aliens, but she's not serious. We genuinely don't know what happened that day. This happened about a week ago, back in my office. So, my office building is made up of different rooms, and the room I was in is a pretty big one that I share with about 60 other people. Most of these employees leave in the early evening, and I'm one of the few that regularly stays until after nighttime. One of the usual late-staying employees has a habit of saying, Okay, bye boss, whenever I leave even though I'm a more junior employee than him. So, basically, no one else besides this particular employee says that to me. About a week ago, everything was occurring as it normally does. It was just me and this other employee left in the room. Before I left, I bid him adieu, and as per usual, he'd said, Okay, bye boss. But what was weird was that after this line... About a couple of steps later, I heard him say something again that sounded oddly like, Okay, bye boss. I wasn't paying attention, having already assumed the interaction was over. So, I turned back and asked him if he'd said anything else. He looked confused and said no. So, I proceeded to leave, and when I was nearing the door of the room, I heard his voice again. From his direction, say something that sounded like, Okay, bye boss. Now, it's important to note that the distance from his desk to the door that I was nearing was pretty far, so it would have made sense for him to say goodbye to me at his desk rather than yell after me after I've reached the door. Now, don't ask me why, but I decided to head back to his seat again, and the same scene played out of me asking him if he'd said something and him saying no again, while adding, you need to sleep. I could tell he was starting to freak out a little bit as well, so I brushed it off and I made my way out once more. Here is when I wished that the entire situation would have ended, but right as I stepped through the door, 
I heard his voice again, and this time it said, You need to sleep. I didn't turn back this time. I headed straight to the elevator and left for the night. So, what happened? I genuinely don't know, but it weirded me out, and I thought you might appreciate the story here. I've never experienced repeated speech before, so I'm not quite sure what to make of it. My mom is into conspiracy theories like I am. She thought that the deep web was a place to search for conspiracies and that you'd get the truth. So she decides to find a way into it. Basically, she downloaded this app, which I think is horseshit, but whatever. She gets on a website and finds links to these websites that I've never heard of. She said she didn't see anything disturbing, but it was too hard to navigate, so she just gave up. This was a week or two ago. Last night, someone was outside of our house wearing all black, just kind of standing there at 11.30 when my brother was driving his girlfriend home. So he comes back like a minute later and he tells my mom about it. So he and mom shine flashlights outside looking for this dude. They don't find anything. About five minutes pass and a van pulls up driving on the wrong side of the road. It stops at my neighbor's house. My brother hears the van door slide open and then slide shut. My mom and brother decide to follow it, so they jump in the car and follow it into the town square. I live in the middle of nowhere, and the town square is a good 15 to 20 minutes away. On the way there, a car is riding their ass, like so close they think they're going to get hit. Eventually, the car they're following pulls into a tire place, and my mom decides not to follow them in there at midnight. She circles around, which takes like two minutes, and when she passes by again, the car is gone. I was asleep during all of this because I had to work the next morning, but I woke up around 2 a.m., and I'm terrified. I feel like somebody's watching me, and I'm the kind of person that eats, sleeps, and breathes horror. I'm not usually scared at night like this, but not only that, I sleep like a rock, and for some reason, I just couldn't go back to sleep. I was too scared, and I felt like I wasn't alone. Now, all I can think is that it might have been that guy lurking around outside my house. My bedroom has six frickin' windows in it, and it's not like it would be hard for him to watch me, and I'm afraid it has something to do with the dumb shit my mom is fumbling around on the dark web. Any opinions? It was my sixth birthday, and my party had just ended. We had cake, pizza, and played games. It was a typical American birthday party. I lived with my mom and her boyfriend. His name was Steve. For my birthday, they got me one of those plastic Fisher-Price playsets, the ones that were like four feet tall and had a small slide. It was set up right by my door in front of my bed. I was extremely excited about this because it was exactly what I wanted, and I was sure it was the greatest invention since sliced bread. Now, before I go on to the actual part of the story that you want to hear, I need to give a little background about the house that I lived in, from what I know at least. To begin with, it was an old, blue, colonial house in upstate New York. The house was like every other house in the neighborhood, 
And since Steve had just got a promotion at work, there was constantly work being done on the house. Basically, a complete remodel while we lived there. The only thing that I didn't like about the house was that you couldn't get into the attic, and for some reason, bats kept getting in there. At six years old, you don't like bats. My mom tucked me into bed at about nine o'clock, a little later than usual. I remember waking up a few times that night because I was really excited to see the playset in the morning. I didn't get to play with it much that day because of the assembly. One of the times that I woke up, I remember looking at the playset when I saw two shadows, a boy and a girl. They looked like they were talking to each other. As a child, I didn't want to be scared, so I rationalized this as the shadows of the trees playing tricks on my mind because that's what my mom would have told me. I managed to go back to sleep that night and didn't really think much of it the next day. My birthday is in June, so I usually didn't have class. This meant that I could spend the whole day playing with my friends. I didn't think about the shadows I saw the night before at all. I basically forgot that it happened until the next night. My usual bedtime was 8 o'clock, and my mom was pretty strict on this matter, so I was always showered, in my pajamas, and in bed by then. I was lying in bed when I had a strong feeling that something was watching me. I looked to this wall between my door and the playset, and the shadows were there again. This time, I paid more attention to it while I was frozen in fear in my bed. The shadow children seemed to be talking, but I still couldn't hear them. It also seemed as if they were looking at each other, but it's hard to determine 3D direction from a 2D shadow. I screamed for my mom, and she ran into my room and turned the light on. At this point, the shadows disappeared, and mom let me sleep in her bed, which she never let me do. She assumed that I had a nightmare. Every night from then on, when I would look at the wall, those shadows would be there. When this happened, I would call for my mom, and the cycle repeated. During this time, Steve and my mom would argue a lot. I wasn't sure why, but I didn't notice it at first. The house had also gone into a full remodeling where half of the house would always have something being done to it. I wished for school. This was back when school was fun and all your friends would be there. I hated spending any time in the house and I would try to go to my grandma's whenever possible. The cycle repeated for a while, and I'm not really sure what my mom thought about me telling her that ghost shadow people were in my room every night. I begged her to leave the hallway light on, hoping it would scare away the shadows, and she obliged, but the light never did anything, and I would yell for her every night. This continued for a while, but then one night, something changed. Lying in bed, something felt different. I wasn't sure if I had built up some sort of tolerance to the shadow people that were in my room at night in the same place, doing nothing but silently talking to each other, or if I was just dumb. That night, I decided I didn't want to wake my mom up for some reason. I decided I would be brave enough to walk right past the shadows to my mom's room. I think it might be important to remember that whenever my mom would come by, these shadows would disappear. I still don't know why. I walked past the shadows and nothing happened. Then, I was in the hallway with the light on right above me and my mom's room to my left. I remember looking up at the light and then back to my mom's room and then back to the light. 
I did this a few times, and then I remember just staring into the light. I'm not sure why, but I was just drawn to it. This is where the story starts to get a little confusing, but I'll try my best to explain what I can. The next part of the story will be what I can remember as of today. Then I'll try to fill in some blanks with what my family members could tell me. After looking at the light, I decided I didn't want to wake up my mom, which was weird because I never cared before. I went back to bed, and the next thing I remember is sitting in the living room watching TV. There was construction all around me and plastic covers on the couches so that none of the paint or drywall got on them. I remember sitting on the floor, and I was just watching static on the TV. To me, this memory seems like an out-of-body experience. I felt like I was there, but I didn't feel in control. These memories are like a flash to me. I have them, but nothing in between. I only have one more memory of being in that house. I was in my room, looking out of my window down to the driveway. It was nighttime, and my mom asked her friend's mother to come over. Her name was Danielle, but everyone called her Dee. I remember watching her pull up into the driveway and giving my mom a hug. I could hear them for some reason, but this also seemed like an out-of-body experience. I heard Dee say that there was a boy and a girl spirit in the house, but they weren't the problem. The problem was that there was a dark, evil entity in the house, and it wanted me. Dee and my mom then proceeded to burn sage in the house. I assumed I went to bed, but when I woke up, I was at my grandma's house, and it was many days after the incident. I felt fine when I woke up, and I don't think I even noticed anything different. I often spent the night at my grandma's house. I had my own assumptions about what happened, but I never really talked to my mom about it until I was 16. When I woke up at grandma's, my mom had told me we were moving out of Steve's house. They were breaking up, and I wouldn't be going back. Mom would get my stuff. As I stated earlier, I talked to my mom about this in detail when I was 16. The memories had bothered me for so long and I wanted answers. I told my mom the exact story that is written above. My mom gave me a confused look when I told her about the part with D. She told me I wasn't in the house. My mom proceeded to tell me how I became more and more distant as we continued to live there. Then, one day, we were eating dinner, and I just passed out, head in my plate, like a movie. My mom said I had a high fever and looked ill. She's the kind of person who believes in the supernatural, and when I passed out, I think she decided to accept that the ghost stories weren't simply in my head. This is when she decided to call Dee, who was known around town as being psychic. Dee told my mom to immediately get me out of the house, and she wouldn't... <laughs> I think my brain's just going faster than it needs to. <clears throat> Dee told my mom to immediately get me out of the house and she would come over. Mom drove me to my grandmother's and went back to the house when Dee showed up. I wasn't in the house, but I was still able to recall what Dee had said and done without my mom ever telling me. My mother also said she didn't tell Dee anything about what I had just said, just that I said something was there. Since I was sick, my grandma kept a close watch on me that night. 
She doesn't really believe in ghosts, but when I talked to her about it, she said it was a weird night. She said I was making weird noises, having trouble sleeping, and had a high fever, but then it just stopped. In one moment, all of my symptoms went away, and then I went to bed. That's when I remember waking up. As I sit here, writing this story, I'm a 21-year-old senior in college. Every so often, I think back to these events, and I'm just confused. I have no answers, and I try to come up with my own conclusions, but I can never think of a rational one. I have a hypothesis for what happened, but I won't share that with you now. I want you to come to your own conclusion. Maybe someone else has gone through the same type of situation. That was the point of writing this story. I'm hoping that someday, someone will read this and be able to help me. It would be easy to say I was possessed or something, but that seems too unreal. If the memories I have weren't so vivid, it would be hard for me to believe this story. Hell, it's hard to believe with the memories, but I assure you, this happened. Hey, it's me. If you are a fan of these scary stories or my channel and you haven't subscribed yet, I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider doing that now. I would greatly appreciate you. Here's more stories. The one thing I learned that weekend was to never stay up past 3 a.m. at a Canadian cottage next to a haunted lake in a forest. When I was 13, I had this friend named Veronica. We were both obsessed with scary stories and legends. One weekend, she invited me to stay at her cottage. We had lots of fun during the day. We went swimming, hiking, kayaking, played some video games. When it got dark, we decided to try and stay up all night. But first, we wanted to see if the Canadian legend of the Wendigo was true. We waited for it to get darker, and then we told her 16-year-old sister we were going to go to the forest to see if the Wendigo legend was true. Her sister believed in this kind of stuff and was too scared to see if it was real. She called us insane and said it was a horrible idea, but... Nevertheless, I grabbed the flashlight and my friend's hand, and we ran to the woods. The legend says in order to summon the Wendigo, you must whistle in a Canadian forest at night. Lucky for me, I didn't know how to whistle, so Veronica had to be the one to do it. She did, and then we stood there as quietly as possible. Five seconds go by, then ten seconds. We were about to calmly walk out of the forest when we heard a twig snap. The snap was followed by a noise that sounded like a moose mixed with a human groan. We ran back to the cottage as fast as we could. We didn't tell her sister anything, we just went straight to our room. We were bored, so she told me about a legend going around the neighborhood. The legend claimed that if you go to the lake, at 3 a.m. and tap your foot in the water three times, something will try to pull you into the water. If there's no one to help you, you're doomed. For some reason, we decided to try it. We snuck into the kitchen when everyone was asleep and got some ice cream and coffee in order to stay awake. Eventually, 3 a.m. arrived. We did what the legend said, but I only felt something touch my foot. After that, 
We thought the rest of the night was going to be normal, but boy, were we wrong. We changed our minds about not sleeping and got ready for bed. We were too scared to turn the lights off, so we just turned them down, but maybe it would have been less scary with them off. About an hour later, I still couldn't sleep. I turned to Vera and opened my eyes, and hers were wide open. I asked her what was wrong, and all she said was, Don't look in the corner. But I did. I saw a tall, black figure standing there. I looked back at Vera, and she asked, Is it, is it gone? We both looked back at the corner. It was, in fact, gone. Looks like it, I said. We didn't get any sleep that night. The worst thing was that we had to stay there for another night, too. So, this happened April 4th, 2022. My friend and I were on our way back to Kentucky from Columbus, Ohio, after a Matt Maltese concert. We got about 20 minutes out from the venue, and we both decided to stop for a snack and to use the bathroom. We did our business, got our snacks, and hopped back into the car, and we ate. I looked at the GPS and realized that it changed our route from the interstate down some highway. I didn't really question it much because it was already 12 a.m. We were tired and just wanted to go home. We start making our way down the highway when I realize there's literally nothing. No other buildings, no lights along the road. The only place I saw when we got off the exit was that gas station. Just the gas station, absolutely nothing else. There were hardly any trees we could see on our way down the highway. It was just flat, open fields. After about four or six miles, my GPS says to turn onto a small road. I thought it was weird that I had to turn on a road that didn't even have two lanes or any lights. There were only three sporadically placed houses that didn't even look like someone lived in them. At this point, I started feeling really off. I initially felt weird when we went to the highway instead of the interstate, but thought I was just being paranoid. Now, I joked with my friend, this would be the perfect place to see an SW. I didn't say the name, just the abbreviation. If you don't know what that is, well, just Google it. I've always been superstitious and don't like saying or thinking the full name, and I even hate the abbreviations. He laughed and said, don't even say that. My GPS tells me there's a railroad coming up, so I was ready for it. The problem was I didn't see the railroad until we were right on top of it. The only light was coming from my headlights. The train looked abandoned, the carts were covered in graffiti, and the wheels were corroded to hell. There were no railroad lights, no bells saying a train was coming, just pitch dark silence. My friend and I both felt a chill run down our spine, and we both just knew. We didn't know what exactly, we just knew. He said my name in a scared tone, and I knew I had to get us out. There was no way forward or around. I threw my car in reverse and quickly backed up until I was in the grass and booked it, going 80 back down the highway to the gas station. When we finally collected ourselves, we sat and we thought about it. 
Why would the GPS take us there if the train had clearly sat there for a while? Wouldn't that road have been closed off? Wouldn't there have been signs saying so? Why weren't the railroad lights on? Why did it reroute us there in the first place? There's just so many questions. But one thing I noticed is the moment we parked at the gas station and restarted my GPS, it went back to its original route on the interstate. We knew for certain that train didn't just break down that day and get left. It had been sitting there for a while. The wheels don't just corrode like that if it was broken recently. The biggest issue I have with the situation is that it felt so fake, yet it was real. It didn't feel real from the moment we left the gas station to the moment we came back to it. It felt like I was just there, floating and watching. Maybe it was the adrenaline, maybe we freaked out over nothing, or maybe we are reading into it too much, but I know how I felt, and I know the feeling in my gut was horrible. This writer includes an edit that says, I just want to throw this in here. I never really get a feeling like this, and when I do, there's always a reason. I'm usually never wrong when I feel this way. That's why I feel like we were warranted in worrying so much. It took me crossing the state line to feel safe again. This is a true story. I know many people say that, but this is from my own personal experiences. Everything I'm about to say is true. My mom, my grandma, and I moved to this house when I was in fourth grade. It's not a nice house in a nice area. The outside brick is green in places, and the base of the house is crumbling away and rotting. Inside there was mold, and the roof leaked in some places. The thing I didn't like the most was how I felt when standing outside, like I was being watched. What happened next is a long list of events that I will never forget as long as I live. It was during the day. I was sitting in bed after school, pretending to do homework as I watched cartoons. I remember I was watching Cyber Chase. At the time, I had a small flat screen. My bed was under my large window, and my TV was across from my bed, facing my window. Suddenly, my TV started flickering weird broken visuals, and then it shut off completely. As I was standing up to investigate, I noticed a reflection in the now black screen. There was a shape in the window behind me. My home is a single-story house, so I immediately froze, fearing that someone was watching me in my backyard. The figure wasn't very tall. It only stood about half the height of my window, I couldn't make out any features. My thin curtains hid them from me, but I knew that they could see me very clearly. I was half standing, so my body was at a weird angle as I stood frozen, staring at the shape in my window. I don't know how long I stood there, but it was long enough to make my legs ache. Finally, the figure turned and walked away. I felt like I'd lost all blood in my face. I still stood there for a few more minutes before getting the courage to crawl across my bed and look out the window. Thankfully, I didn't see anything back there. Ever since that day, I began getting paranoid, obsessing over if I'll see the shape in my window again. Then, that fear seeped into my dreams. It wasn't 
every night, but at least once a month, I would dream about laying in my bed at night, and when I looked out my window, I'd see a shadowy shape there. The first time I had that dream, I froze. I couldn't move or do anything out of fear, but eventually, when I had that dream, I'd get on my knees to look. The shape outside was following me so that it was facing me at eye level through my thin curtain. Then, I got brave enough to quickly open the curtain, but nothing would be there. Suddenly, it would be daytime in the dream and everything would be okay, but I'd wake up the next morning feeling exhausted. Then, things started happening when I was awake again. When I was about 13, the tapping started. Three slow and steady taps at my window, followed by three more taps. I tried to shrug it off as a branch tapping on my window. A few days after it started, I was jumping on my trampoline in the backyard. I stared at my window, wondering if what I experienced was real or if I'm just crazy. Then I realized there was no bush or trees near my window. There was nothing that could have been tapping it. I felt fear take over. I felt like I was suddenly being watched. I hopped off my trampoline and I ran inside. That night, the tapping came back. This time, rather than nails tapping on the window, it sounded like someone's knuckle rapping on the glass. At this point, I had kind of gotten used to it regardless of whether the thing on the other side of the window was real or imaginary. This time, like in my dream, I got on my knees and I faced the window, unsure if the thing outside had moved to be eye level with me like in my dream. I slowly pulled the curtain to the side and gazed into the black void of the night. My nightlight was illuminating me in my room preventing me from seeing anything beyond the window. No idea if there was someone staring back at me. My heart started to pound, but I didn't want to show fear, so I stayed where I was. The tapping had stopped as I stared out of the window. Eventually, I decided that I had stared enough. I closed my curtain, laid back down, and somehow I found the will to fall asleep. The tapping would continue for years, but... I had learned to ignore it since that night. Then something new started. One night during the tapping, I swear I heard the click of a camera. I tried to shrug it off, but nearly every day I'd start to hear the camera go off just beyond the wall. It started to scare me. Had the thing started to take pictures? Was there even anything there at all? Then I saw a flash as I was looking out of the window with my fear apparent on my face. Then, at the same time, I heard another click of the camera. I tried to act as calm as I could as I got out of bed, walked out of the room, and closed the door. It was early enough that my mom was still awake, and she didn't question when I came into her room just wanting to hang out. I still hadn't spoken to anyone about this. After that, it was another couple of years before anything else had happened, but I started to notice a buzzing sound. It started happening at the same time every day around 3 p.m. I couldn't figure out where it was coming from for the life of me. My uncle was living with us at this time, and he liked to take his phone calls in the backyard for privacy reasons. 
One day, he bursts into the house after taking a call outside, and he tells my mom and I that he saw a drone hovering outside my window. My heart dropped. That proved that something was real and tangible. Someone else had seen something, and that made the past years feel validated. The visitor had upped their game. My mother did nothing about it, and neither did I. What could we do? The police wouldn't do anything because no crime had technically been committed that we could prove. So, I just continued to hear the buzzing outside my window. One day, it stopped though, and for a while, there wasn't another peep. But of course, this thing doesn't want to give up. I finally decided to get a desk for my college work, so I got a tall one with a lot of storage space. I moved my bed out from under my window and placed it against an adjoining wall with my desk in front of the window. One day, I came home to find everything in its place except for two things. I searched for my favorite shirt for a while but could never find it. Then I went to grab socks out of my sock bucket, which is just a plastic bin of socks haphazardly thrown in, but what I found wasn't just crumpled socks. On top of my bucket of socks was a single sock, neatly placed over mine. It was black, with dark gray toes and heels. All of my socks were short, plain black. I grabbed it to ask my mom and my grandma if it was theirs, but I knew they both only wore white socks. It was scary imagining someone coming into my room to not only steal my clothes, but to leave something behind like a creepy gift. I decided just to throw it away. The way my desk is sat, a sliver of the window peeks out on the right side, directly over my bed. My window opens right to left and sadly has no lock on it. So as I laid in bed, I'd stare at that sliver waiting for something to happen, but it never did. At least not when I was looking. One day, after I'd calmed down and stopped staring at my window, I looked over and I noticed that my curtain was open. For some reason, I wasn't scared. It was during the day so I could see nothing was there, but I knew that someone had opened my curtain from the outside. That corner of my room was hard to get to. You'd have to climb over my bed, so I know it wasn't my mom or my grandma, and it definitely wasn't me. I left it open for a couple of months, wondering if anything would happen, but it never did. I could still feel eyes on me at night. Then, one day, I looked over, and my curtain was closed. Since then, nothing has happened, but I still wait for the tapping some nights. To this day, I have no idea who was outside my window, or if they'll ever return. One night, back when I lived in a car with my husband and two dogs, some strange shit happened to us. It had been at least eight nights since I'd been able to sleep well, so I was pretty damn tired and grouchy. As I lay down on the makeshift bed in the back of the car, I pretty much started falling asleep immediately. Since it was almost midnight, it was pretty quiet at Vista Point by then. Just as I was barely starting to dream... There was an urgent shaking to my shoulder. I was startled awake and loudly demanded, What? Then, 
I opened my eyes and quickly realized our car was illuminated in a very bright light. Since Vista Point was a popular place, it wasn't that unusual to see other vehicles pull over beside you. Plus, it was dark, so the light was necessary. By then, I heard a strange male voice saying, Sorry, I just thought maybe you needed some light since your car was so dark over there. That's all. My husband immediately responded with, No thanks, man. We're actually going to sleep. That's why we have it so dark over here. For a few seconds, there was only silence until the stranger answered with, Well, what if I needed more light or something? An odd thing for him to ask, considering he was the one with the bright light pointed at our car. I spoke up, finally replying with, We don't have any good lights. The stranger simply replied, Oh. So once again, I rolled my eyes, I put my headphones back into my ears, and I rolled over once again to try to sleep. The bright light quickly turned off, and then I heard his vehicle start up and pull out of there. After that, I started drifting off to dreamland once again. To my great dismay, not even 20 minutes later, I got an even more frantic shake to my shoulder. That time, I was getting really pissed off, so I sat up angrily, glaring at my husband and hissed out. What? I said through clenched teeth. He says, they're back, and they're walking around out there. He said with a panic creeping into his tone. So, again, I pulled out my headphones out of my ear and listened for a second. I did hear footsteps on the blacktop, but they sounded like they were headed to one of the two RVs that were also parked there for the night. The two RVs were directly across the circle from us. Seriously pissed off at that point, I hissed to my husband again. I'm pretty damn sure that it's just someone going back to one of the two RVs. Now please, let me get back to freaking sleep. I guess now would be the time to explain the layout of Vista Point. It's basically a large cul-de-sac that overlooks a large man-made reservoir. In fact, it's the sixth largest in my state. It also happens to be the location of one of the Carrie Stainer murders, aka the Yosemite serial killer. Anyways, people often trek across the large cul-de-sac in order to use the bathroom. On the freaking reel though, yet again, not even 10 minutes later, another freaking shake to my shoulder. This time, I sit up and I yelled pretty loudly, what the hell now? My husband began whispering in a panic. Another car just pulled up, and when it did, two guys came out of the RVs and met up with the dude in the car. I tried to angrily cut in, but my husband interrupted me with, they were talking, and then all three of them looked over towards us. Then they started walking towards us with their flashlights on, but they turned them off when they were about halfway to our car. Since I still had one of my headphones in, I didn't quite catch all of what he said at the time, so... Now, I should also tell you that I'm the kind of person who, when woken up, I get really pissed, really quick. I kind of lost my shit on my poor husband and started yelling at him. He responded by hissing at me to either get up front so he could start loading the car up or to stay where I was in the back and he could just pile shit on top of me. I yelled some more, but I did eventually get up front. Thankfully, we got out of there safely. My husband told me that the first dude with the bright light on her car had a huge hunting knife strapped to his waist. 
and when I started yelling, all three guys turned around and slowly dispersed. We'll never know if the incidents were related, but that's one hell of a coincidence that those three guys were coming at our car in less than 20 minutes later, don't you think? So, creepy Vista Point stalkers, let's not ever meet again. I have four daughters. One summer, it became clear to me that the second oldest had clairvoyant abilities. She was eight at the time. My family and I were staying in an apartment for our summer holiday in Ilfracombe in Devon. Now, in this particular apartment, strange things started to happen. Stuff would go missing and reappear on the living room table the very next day. Even my mom saw a ghost of a little girl. After a while, my eight-year-old confessed that she was terrified of a see-through figure who kept coming to stand in front of her and then walk into her, which caused her to shiver. It was a man wearing a dark hat, and she drew a picture of him for me. The man had a cloak, but no visible face and just a hat on top. I was very creeped out by this, but tried to stay calm and reassure my daughter that this thing couldn't hurt her. After we returned home, the situation continued to cause problems, but now my daughter was seeing what looked like ink falling through water instead of the figure. She was very afraid. In the following years, she started to see visions and had premonitions of terrorist attacks before they happened, namely the Paris attack and one in New York where she saw buildings and a crossing as it was reported the next day. We live in the UK, by the way. My daughter had a lot of visions, and she told me they often looked to her like cartoons. Sometimes she would see a slideshow of faces. In 2016, the year of the referendum in the UK, she started to see what she described as a face with a creepy smile, which had wires connected to the back of its head and gave it the appearance of a robot. It told her... Nothing will be okay again, and it was there every time she closed her eyes. She also saw ghostly people of all ages everywhere. Sometimes it would be the whole person, sometimes just the person's feet or hair. Sometimes there were white circles drifting around like orbs. Once, we visited Warwick Castle and took some pictures of her. Some strange entity appeared next to her in the photo, and when my back was turned, she deleted it from my phone. Today, she is nearly 18 years old. If I ever ask her about these things, she pretends not to know what I'm talking about. She says she doesn't want to think about it. Maybe she's learned to block it out, or maybe she's in denial. I've often wondered if her date of birth has anything to do with all of this since she was born on the winter solstice. Save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot. You'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 
No matter the occasion, whether it's a date or a family holiday outing, daytime ice skating at Cameron Run Regional Park is sure to delight. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria, skate on the outdoor rink and stay warm with hot chocolate or make s'mores over a fire pit. This unique winter experience is only available for a limited time. Open daily December 18th through 30th and weekends in January and February. Buy tickets today at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com.